three, two, one. Now we're here. Now we're here. Now we're here. Perfect. Okay. Why don't we just start real simple about um, who you are, what your name is, what well, your what your deal is. Yeah. So I'm. Well, so my name is Finn Holly, um, and I I'm fairly new to the whole the, this game, I guess, of like posting and stuff, everything. Um, but people won't know you exactly as as Finn Holly. Yeah, right? so they'll know me as Stripe Bass Hunt. So this podcast. So I guess we we should talk about what the goal of this podcast is. So in my mind, this podcast is going to be like an informational, like t- like how I fish. I mean, everybody fishes differently. So, but to me, all knowledge is power. Everybody fishes differently. All you got to when I listen to podcasts or seminars or anything like that, um, I I might disagree with a lot of the things that the person says, but at the same time, I generally take away a little bit each time when I go and listen to someone talking about how they surf cast, especially if they're successful and they if even they if are they're, successful. And even if they're not successful, True. there's always something to be like. Like, there's a reason I don't do it that way. Why mm-hmm. do I not do it that way? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, um, this podcast is going to be how I fish, which is going to be different from how everybody else fishes, but um, it's going to be an informational podcast about how I fish and the tactics that I utilize. And t- different topics can be anything. I mean, I'm, I want to do some more s- science into like, the fishery, the fish, yeah, yeah, exactly. Conservation things like that. Yeah, so so it's going to be covering a very broad topic, and it's not going to just be striped bass, but under the umbrella of like fishing, yes, basically, exactly, yeah, and more specifically under the umbrella of surf casting, uh, and it might be surf casting for different species, but um, mostly striped bass, and that's kind of what I was hoping to to, to produce. Do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's, let's start like super, let's start super simply about like, like specifically, like specifically who you are yeah, and, and like, and like how the whole thing started, like from the very, yeah. very, very beginning, not That's a true. strike bass hunt, like the Instagram that yeah, people yeah. are starting to know you by, mm-hmm. but like you specifically like yeah. way, way, way back yeah. when you first, well, when you, when exactly. First so, fish, so you know, when I first, first fished, fish. or even before that, so but who are who, who are am you, I? First of all, so I I'm a 16 year old from Cape Ann, or specifically like the Manchester, Rockport, Gloucester, Essex, Ipswich. You know area. that area is yeah. where I fish. Yeah. Um, and so that's like my whole thing when I'm fishing. I'm fishing in a spot that is not super well known for its big yeah. bass. And yeah. It's just a random place on the coast that has fish. Yeah. And, but like when, when were you, what was your, do you, do you remember the first time that you actually caught a fish? Do you remember? Yeah. It? So I remember very specifically, but even before, how old were, how old were you? Cause well, there's that picture yeah. that depending on our, <laughs> our post-production skills, we might have Gus <laughs> flash up here. Yeah. At Sastrugi Films. At Sastrugi Films. Um, there, we, we do have photos of you as a tiny kid yeah, wielding a giant rod. Exactly. Well, yeah. I've been wielding a giant <laughs> rod for a little bit. But um, I... So for me, I've always loved catching things, whether it be, you know, fish or a frogs and snakes in a pond or insects or anything. That I've like, I'm always like... I always love trying to catch animals. That's like... I was like, that's what I want to do is I want to... Like, I've 
just loved catching things. Um, and so uh, when I was like, as soon as I like started fishing for striped bass, I was like, wow, this is amazing because this is a pretty powerful fish. It's not yeah. like catching dragonfly in the backyard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, like it's a whole new game from catching like a dragonfly or catching a bullfrog or a snake or anything because it's like this thing actually pulls back. Like this yeah. is this is like it was so much fun. So I remember my dad used to like he doesn't know a whole lot about fishing, but you know had uh, like was would bait fish with sea clams and or mackerel on the beach every once in a while. Like um, you're like sort of like your average like your average like weekend person. warrior. Yeah, exactly. yeah like, like an like, average weekend. Everybody warrior. likes to throw a line in every once in a while. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. So he would always start out and fishing the middle of a sandy beach with no structure, no nothing. Just like went to the middle of the beach, cast out and just sat down with sea clam and just hung out and fished. And that's like what we do. We weren't very like, um, successful ever. I mean, we didn't catch a fish there ever. And then what happened one day is we were snorkeling near the rocks. We were, we were, yeah, me and you were snorkeling near the rocks um, and we were seeing some striped bass swimming around. I'm like, huh, that's pretty cool that there's some pretty decent sized striped bass. For us, decent sized striped bass were yeah, like they were probably 28 like, to 50, you know, like yeah, 15, they were probably 20, like 15 inch. 20 inches. Something yeah, like that. it was, it was like, they're small, but it was, it was cool to see, oh, there actually are fish here. Um, so one day I was like, he, my dad was like, okay, do you want to go fish with me? How old were you at this point? I had to be like five or six. Five or six. Yeah, something like that. Okay, so like ten years ago. I know, it's yeah. just so crazy. <laughs> People are going to be like, yeah, so I was like five or six. And then um, we we went, I was like, why don't we try near where the the fish were that we saw when we were snorkeling. So we walked over to the far left side of the beach that had boulders and rock cliffs. So we went as far on the rock cliffs as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... We threw the sea clam in there, and we yeah. were, all of a sudden we were just getting hits, and we were yeah. like so excited. We were like, oh, <laughs> "They're fish nibbling on our like yeah. sea clam," and we caught one, and it was yeah. like a twenty inch bass. And if we had the photo, actually, yeah, somewhere again, post production, post production, possibly, yeah, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> um, and so we uh, we caught one, um, or my dad hooked it and handed me the rod, and I reeled it in, or something like that, um, and then. So we we caught a bass, and as soon as I did that, I was like, "Oh, this is sick!" Yeah. So we so that whole year we did that. You know, every once like every week or two, we would go down, and we would fish from that spot, and we caught bass. And I think that year we actually got a twenty eight inch bass. Yeah, and which we is were, which is yeah for those for those not <laughs> for those not initiated is yeah. the is is the the minimum keeper size. Yeah, exactly. And of course, back then, I mean, we didn't know anything about we didn't know anything. Pretty about much striped bass fishing. So if we caught a keeper, which we would do maybe once a year, we'd catch one keeper a year. Yeah. Um, and we would keep it because why not? Why I mean, not? back then. Yeah. So we caught one keeper that year, which was awesome. I, I mean, I don't know what picture that was. And then maybe we fished for another three years. And what was driving me crazy is every single one of my other siblings who would come down once in a while to fish with us would catch a keeper every single time <laughs> they were coming down. And I yeah. would fish every single day with him you know, we got more into it as the years came. I was fishing like every day with him and we were catching what, I mean, we weren't catching, we were catching schoolies, but then like Ben would go down or one of my other siblings would go down and they would catch 28 inch bass. Yeah. I was pissed. I was mad. <laughs> and, um, I was so mad and frustrated that I couldn't get 
a bass, like a, a big fish. Um, so we finally were like, or I finally, like, it was like first trip of the season. We went down. This was probably two or three years after that. Yeah. I was probably maybe eight. I yeah. don't know, something like that. And you're still, the, I mean, yeah. still like, well, how is your, at this point, like from the very beginning, mm-hmm. like obviously you're, you're extremely obsessed with it right now. Yeah. But from the very beginning, was it like the same level of enthusiasm or did yeah. it just sort of build as you got better at it? You know what I mean? I mean, it definitely, it definitely builded because I really, really enjoyed catching them, but we weren't proficient, proficient enough at catching them that so it wasn't quite as exciting as yeah it exactly like because it wasn't like we would get skunked every once in a while because yeah. we obviously didn't know okay what tides are best what winds yeah. are best when we so, fish at high tide so like, so you said like what, what you were saying is that a couple of years ago mm-hmm. at that point had you prog- had you progressed at all from the from like the sea clam business or was no. it just or, or or like did you know a little bit more or like so yeah we did we knew a little bit more and we were catching more fish I and mean, we figured out okay when it's on a falling tide, the fish are generally we catch more fish. Yeah, that's pretty much all we knew. It was yeah. like okay, and just right after yeah, high tide. Exactly right after high tide, because we knew okay when it was high tide, it was actually slow. But when it was either end of it, it was fast. We had no idea why. Um, now we know it's because of the current that was pushing through the rocks. But um, we had no idea why at that point. Uh, and we fished in that spot at only high tide at that time. Uh, so I was probably eight years old then. We went down as we were going to the beach. I was joking. I was like, maybe this will be the time I actually end up catching a keeper. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, I caught like a 32-inch bass. Wow. Um, and yeah, that for was the then, biggest that, one. that was the biggest one by far. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then I think later that year, you caught like a 34. And like yeah. But destroyed it. But at neither, that time. Neither here nor there. Yeah. Exactly. At that time, it was crazy. Like I was yeah. super excited because we were down there. I was sitting there with my rod and then all of a sudden, it starts pulling off line because we had we had bait runner uh, reels, so the line was free was going out. And I was feeling it going out, and I'm like, "Oh, this is a nice fish!" And I hook set into it, and it's peeling line. I mean, it's I had probably my drag super loose, it's peeling <laughs> line, like freaking out. I could barely hold on to it because I'm like eight, and the bass <laughs> is like pulling out all this line. And I finally get it in. My dad's like, "Oh, it's probably not a keeper. It's probably not a keeper." And I was like, "This is definitely a keeper." Yeah. Um, and I we finally landed it. Uh, and it was like 32 inches. And yeah. So that was like a big deal for me. And that's what yeah. really got me like hooked. Yeah. Like I was like. Like that fish in particular. Yeah. I mean, it really, really got me hooked at that time. And so when it, so after you had caught that mm-hmm. fish, in your head, was it like an immediate, like, I need to learn more? Or mm-hmm. was it just sort of like you were interested in it and so it like naturally progressed? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just got interested, more interested in it. It wasn't like I was like super super uh like this is what i need to do it was like i didn't hit that until a little bit later but um that year we were at the tackle store um and we were talking to the guy and he was like oh you should try this lure out and it was a daiwa sp minnow Mm -hmm. um and uh we we took that I mean, I never, I didn't know how to cast at that point i mean i was casting and i was holding on the line for too long and it was like cutting my finger or like hurting my hand yeah and i was like this is like not working but i 
hooked a bass at the rocks, like right at my feet, mm-hmm. like it was school, he hit it, yeah. and I lost it because it was so cool. Like, yeah. It was an immediate hit. Like, I yeah. immediately hooked the bass. Yeah, Instead as opposed of being, to like, sitting there nibbling, waiting, waiting, yeah. waiting, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, with a bait or whatever. Yeah, and I yeah. saw it come up and hit it, and the, I didn't know, like, at that point, I didn't know how aggressive strike bass were and how fast they moved and how fast they would hit it yeah. and what it felt like. So when I hooked that fish, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Um... And so that was so sick. And I remember being like, yes, this is amazing. It's like, as in just fishing with the lures yeah. is way better than... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I didn't fully grasp that until maybe the year after where I started fishing more SP minnows and a little like Castmaster spoon that we had for so many years. Yeah. Um, and I started like going to that spot at low tide because you're able to walk across the rocks much better there. And I started to get you know, a handful of schoolie bass on a little spoon or on the SP minnow. Um, and then probably a year after that, I, I started to get more into lure fishing and I would go out and I'd fish with lure a lot more. And I fish almost every day. Um, cause we lived near the beach. So I was able to like get there and fish every single day, pretty much. Even like basically every day, the whole season. Yeah. Right? For the whole season, I'd fish pretty much every day. Um, and then I like started to like, it was just magical cause I was catching, so many like I mean I was catching like for me it was so many fish and I was used to catching one bass or no bass a single trip so I was catching like 10 fish trip and I was like this is amazing yeah and I was probably 10 at did that point did it shock you that there were so many fish yeah it did because I didn't think it was like this like that easy to catch the bass I was like wow this is incredible I'm catching 10 fish and they, and they were just like mostly schooly bass yeah exactly yeah. they were mostly schooly bass and but but so yeah. after you had, after you had that initial experience with the with the lures, and mm-hmm. you started like you know fishing a couple of them or whatnot, yeah. What was there a specific place you were going to to like learn more about the about the equipment, or was were you just yeah just grabbing random things off the tackle store shelf or it, whatever? Yeah, so I'd go to the tackle store. So then probably the year after that, I got really into it. Uh, we got a bunch of SP minnows and. That was like what we did is we fished. I was like 12 or at that point was when I really started getting into it. We had SP minnows. I had, I think at that year, maybe we, I got, oh, that, that was the year. So that was the year. So I had like, I got a bag at that. That was the first time I got like a surf bag. It was like the Shimano surf bag, which I fished for up until last year. I mean, that was a great surf bag. I loved it. Um, and I had like SP minnows most, mostly. And Cause that's some... just all you knew at that point. Yeah, basically. exactly. But um, and so you were just going to the tackle store and talking mm-hmm. to whoever and mm-hmm. they would suggest something or yeah. you, you know, have a conversation and mm-hmm. then you just pick something up, but you weren't yeah. doing, you weren't like doing any hardcore research online or anything no. like that at that point. Right. No. Yeah. So I didn't really do any hardcore research research, but I did, I looked at a few videos, but nothing really sunk in like yeah. it does now. And it did later, yeah. but I was like catching a lot of fish and I was fishing every day. I was fishing twice a day. I started to figure it out a little bit more like, okay, when it's war- when it's rainy and windy and there's big surf, you're going to hook a big fish. Yeah. Um, and then that year I hooked my first, really big fish and that was a really big fish for anyone and this is the bass that got me hooked 100% into like so hyper focused into getting a big bass after yeah. that um so I was probably 12 maybe 13 I, I don't know it was something like a that a couple years ago yeah exactly and this fish still hurts me to this day <laughs> um, of course it does and uh so 
it was funny because we were, we were doing something all day and I wanted to fish and it was between two big thunderstorms. So a big thunderstorm went through. Um, I was fishing with a bomber long A at this point with like a, uh, it was like white with a red head. Um, and it was a small one, it had the three hooks. Uh, and I had a, and I went out and I, at this point was actually fishing with braided line. So I kind of knew what I was doing. I mean, I don't know when we switched over to braided line. Kind of, but it's the this sort of like incremental acquisition, yeah. super slow, mm-hmm. like you know, just one little tidbit after another little yeah. tidbit, and like testing things mm-hmm. out. Right? It's not yeah. like this. The like renaissance of yeah. of development yeah. in your fishing career mm-hmm. happened very, very recently. Yes, it yeah. did. Yeah. But Within, anyway, yeah, it was so crazy. You had learned a couple things, like mm-hmm. braided line and braided line, and kind of how to fight a fish that was bigger. And it wasn't like I was getting a lot of keepers or anything. I was still getting 90% schoolies and I'd maybe get one keeper a year or two keepers a year. So like I wasn't getting anything that was like crazy at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just getting But it was way better than the clamming days. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to my spot and there, it was pretty big waves. So I had to stand pretty high up on the rocks. Um, I remember I had a cut on the bottom of my foot and I was like, so I wasn't very able to move around the rocks like I normally Were you did. just wearing Crocs? Yeah, I was like wearing Crocs or something on the... Yeah, exactly. I remember one time back then when I went out with you, you were like, oh, you gotta go barefoot so you yeah. don't slip. And yeah. Sliced open my feet on yeah, all the yeah. barnacles and stuff. Yeah, I was... We, we knew nothing at that point. <laughs> that was probably just poor decisions, but... Yeah. Um, so I... We, that day I was out. It was in between two big thunderstorms. I remember this like so vividly. <laughs> so I'm there. I'm fishing. And I know it's like between these two thunderstorms. And it's like at dusk. Um, and I, I'm catching... And it was slow. It was probably late July, maybe early August. Um, and I was catching bass pretty much every cast for the first time in a couple of weeks. And they're all small. They're all like 10 inches. And I, I had this thing because I think I lost a bass that was pretty big that I was like, I'm going to tighten my drag down all the way. And I was catching like all these little schoolies. And then I was like, you know what? I'll loosen my drag. Thank God I loosened my drag, but I loosened my drag up and I'm fishing, I'm fishing. And there's a big boulder in the, the water and I cast over this boulder and I'm reeling it up towards the boulder. And then my plug stops and I'm like, Oh darn. Oh, I snagged, yeah. I'm snagged on the, the boulder. And then all of a sudden it's like shaking. And then <laughs> This fish kind of rises up to the surface and thrashes. And at this point, I'm like, I didn't know what a big fish was. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew what a big fish was after it took this run. It, st- you know, it was a th- it was a 30 pound bass. Yeah. And it took off at full speed. Yeah. And along with me getting thrown off where I was standing, <laughs> off the rock into, into the, the into the water, in <laughs> and getting like pulled into the water, and I'm like sliding down the seaweed drops. <laughs> I grab onto the seaweed with one hand. I'm on, I'm grabbing the rod with the other. And uh, this fish is just absolutely screaming drag. And I'm holding onto the seaweed with one hand. I'm holding onto the rod with the other. And this giant wave hits me, washes me back up onto the rock. And I'm like on my feet now. And I'm like, okay. I'm like climbing up the rock and this thing's still ripping drag. Yeah. This entire time it's ripping drag because I don't, I have fairly light drag on it. <laughs> um, and I'm run up high up onto the rocks because these are giant waves. I yeah. thought I was going to be dead. I'm like, my heart's pounding. Were you my wearing, were you going. wearing Life Preserver or not? No, I wasn't. Not oh, at that wow. point. No. So I, yeah, I literally could have been gone. Gone. Yeah. Exactly. If I didn't think about grabbing out of the seaweed. <laughs> 
So that was a scary moment, but the thing's going, and I'm kind of on the side of a cliff that goes around, and the fish goes around the side of the cliff. And I'm fishing with 50-pound braid at that point, yeah. which was super fortunate that I was fishing, fishing with 50-pound braid because uh, like, otherwise I 100% would have lost this fish. So what the fish did is it took off, and it went to the left side around the point of the rocks here. It got stuck on the side of the rocks um, a little bit, slowed down, because the, literally the line was scraping against the side of the rocks. Oh. Uh, and then the fish turned and went out into the like out into the water a little bit further out and was at this point pretty gassed. It was, a tire, it was pretty tired, and I'm slowly working this fish in because it's a heavy fish, and my drag's spinning each time I'm pumping the rod. So this is probably a five-minute fight at this point or more. I get the bass up. It's kind of on the surface. Or it's not really on the surface yet, but it's under the water. And then I pull it up close to me on the, like, pretty close, probably within 10 feet of me, like, on in the water. And it slowly rises up, and I see this, like, amber glow of the <laughs> giant head of a big fish. And it floats up to the surface. And I, it was a dinosaur, like, yeah. to me. I was, like, because yeah. I'm catching, I hadn't caught anything bigger than maybe 32 inches at yeah. that point. So yeah. I didn't think they grew this big. Yeah. <laughs> I lost my mind. I saw this. I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Yeah. I was so excited. And I, like, I start, I reel it in. And I'm, like, pulling it towards me, like, with the rod straight because I'm, like, not trying to break my rod. Break the tip, yeah. Yeah, and I'm pulling it in. And then a big wave hits the fish and pulls it under the water again. The fish takes off. My rod hits the side of the rock, and then it snapped my line. So you oh, and so you 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 got like a you got like a full on look, yeah, and then yeah, exactly, like completely gone. So I was so devastated. I was so because you thought that was the fish of a lifetime, right there. Exactly. Yeah, and I was like, I'm never gonna get something that big again. And looking back on it, that was a legitimate 30, 40 pound bass. Like that yeah. was a mid thirty pound fish. Yeah, all day it was a huge, 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 huge fish. Um. And by the way, the bomber lure, when I saw the lure, was in the bass's mouth and the tail treble hooks were on the outside of the gills. So the fish sucked it in and the plug was in its mouth and hooked on the hooked outside, on the outside of, of its, its gills. gills, which I've never like to say seen, seen yeah. which is hard because they have the gill, the gill rakes, rakes or whatever, on, yeah. Yeah, on the inside of the bones. Um which is incredible. So the it was hooked on the out. So the fish is one hundred percent died. But yeah, uh, which sucks because it would have been good to at least keep the bass. Yeah. Um, but I was so devastated. But after that, I mean, you were just yeah hook line sinker. No yeah, pun very much intended. Yeah, like you were all in. Yeah, I was all in after that. I mean, I tried so hard to catch a bass, even remotely that big again. And I and was, so it was like that point. Was it at that point that you realized like I need to learn a lot more in order to yeah in order to make this like more consistent? Yeah, well, or, I was terrified of hooking a bass that big. <laughs> I was actually terrified because I was traumatized because, because I got almost, absolutely ripped off the rock. Drowned. Yeah, I mean, I almost got ripped off the rock. I mean, did not almost. I did get ripped off the rock. I was so just. Oh, I was just. Done. And to this day, I still like have nightmares about. Yeah, fish. it gets gets my heart rate pumping. Yeah, up and I know. You catching even bigger ones. Yeah, you know? I mean you you lost or you didn't lose. Yeah, it, but, I mean, uh, 
Oh, we can yeah, talk about that. Later. Everyone's 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 had something like that happen. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it was the it was the same kind of deal where you got to see the fish and yeah. you, you lost it at the rock. Yeah. Um, and so I like was so in it from that point on, and it was crazy because I spent a lot of time like online and looking at YouTube videos. That of, was the that was the primary yeah. that was the primary thing. And I was looking at a lot of YouTube videos of like how people that are successful striped bass fishermen catch fish. And at this point I was like, okay, this is like I need to figure out how to do this better, you know, and mm-hmm. be more productive in catching bigger bass. Yeah. Because I would see all these guys catching big fish and I was like I I want to be able to catch a big bass. But than me being fully and completely convinced there's no big fish where we were fishing. Because yeah. there's one beach that we lived near, so I'd fish that every single day mm-hmm. for so many years. Yeah. And I wasn't very productive on that beach. Then I figured out after a long, 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 long time of just grinding, trying to catch these bass, um, that this was not going to work in the place mm-hmm. that I was fishing. And it dawned on me after multiple years but fast forward another maybe three or four years which would be last year from that point Mm -hmm. um we fished the canal a couple of times and i caught a big bass at the canal one i caught one bass that was giant at the canal uh and then uh which again even furthermore got me hooked into catching big fish and that year was so frustrating to me because i had the gear, I had the technology, I had the know-how, but I couldn't catch fish. And I didn't have the know-how that I thought I did, but I I just was kind of doing the same thing over and over again. You know, trying, like, magically hoping there would be a big fish there. Yeah. Which was just throwing large plugs and praying that I was going to hook something big. Which you, which you could. Yeah, exactly. But the odds just aren't in your favor. Yeah, and I didn't fish at night at all. Like, I never fished at night. Um, and then I went online and I started reading magazines like on the water magazine, Surfcasters journal. I started reading them every day. I read like 15 different articles and I was just reading about countless of different, countless uh, different articles of people talking about, you need to focus on the moons. You need to fish at night. You need to look at water temperature, water, pre- like barometric pressure, current, and try to put those together yeah you and were just like a sponge at that point. exactly yeah. i was such a sponge last winter and just fully trying to figure this out i mean i was not successful in catching a lot of big bass ever and i like to that point to last winter i or to last whole last season i got one giant fish but that was it i didn't catch anything that big yeah like i probably got maybe two or three keepers wasn't it a tough year last year for a lot of people though yeah, but that's but this it's year was tough a tough year. It's tough that's, year for everyone. That's, but that's yeah, what it says. Exactly. And it's this, the bass. There not being a lot of bass left yeah. in general. But it was a tough year last year for a lot of people. It was a tough year this year for a lot of people. Um, but I mean, it shows you that like it could be a tough year, but there's still giant there's still fish. giant fish out there. Um, you just need to know what you're looking for. Exactly. So I I fished in the spot last went last fall, and I threw. Like, I was throwing, like, super strike darters or something there. And I had a big fish follow me in the spot. It was not big. It was, like, 32 inches or something. Yeah. But it was, like, a nice fish, and it, like, hit it right at the rocks. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's a pretty big fish. And this was right at dusk. 
Um, and then I was like, okay, this spot is going to be pretty productive. So fast forward after countless of hours of reading these surfcasters journals and on the water magazine, like articles on these people that are catching big fish. And then I'm looking at these rocks and I'm like, okay, that's a rip there or that's current getting broken by a rock. So there's going to be a bass there, a mm-hmm. big bass there. So I'm like figuring this whole stuff. And that out. was stuff you would never looked at before. No. And I didn't know didn't what know I was what looking, for. looking for. Yeah. And then I saw it and I'm like, okay, it's not like a rip, but like it, there's water pushing in a spot. Perfect. I mean, that's okay. Work. And we're back. And we're back. Sorry about that. We that had some camera technical died. difficulties, camera battery died, whatnot. Yeah. So if I remember correctly, we were talking about, um, Specifically, you yeah, you yeah. went out, you know, and okay. you were looking at water, some, some water stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what I was gonna say before the camera died, actually, I don't even know. I mean, it could have stopped recording before then, but yeah, whatever. Well, whatever. Hopefully it didn't. Hopefully it didn't. We'll see. Um, we'll see. Uh, so so I was talking about how the first time I really came out after all the like after watching all these. Or watching after reading, reading and watching and, and yeah, yeah, and I'm talking about hardcore countless research. of hours of doing this. And I mean, I and we skipped a huge chunk, but like I thought about fishing, and I do to this point, like twenty four seven, every single yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like so everything that I do, I'm always thinking about how can I put myself in a better position to catch a bigger fish. That's everything that I'm doing. I'm constantly checking weathers and everything with the weather and the tides and the moon and that this, that, and the other thing. Um, and so I was finally went out. It was spring. I was catching a whole bunch of schoolies to a couple bass. Like as soon as there were keeper bass, we were catching keeper bass because mm-hmm. I figured it out. Like I was fishing perfect spots, perfect weather, perfect moons with the right bait, the right lures, which the right time of day. Yeah. Which and everything like I was making sure and I fished 99% of the time at night because that's what I heard would you catch big bass. Um, and not in, during the spring until I knew there was keepers around. But as soon as I knew there were keepers around, I was fishing a lot at night. And all of a sudden, boom. I don't know what it was. It was probably May 8th, maybe. And I caught like a 33 um, and on like a darter or something. And then maybe, and then it was like a couple days after that. I was catching keepers and stuff on top water plugs and spooks and all of that stuff. Big, And I was catching a bunch of like 28, 30 inch bass. Um, and then I looked at current in a spot and I thought it was good. It was a hike though. It was across a bunch of rocks. And so I went there. Um, I saw great current, great, like perfect water. And I set up there. Um, I took like two casts, first cast to hooked my biggest fish of the season at that time was probably 34 inches. It was a nice fish and I'm, Reeling it in, reeling it in, reeling it in. I get it up. I'm like in probably, I'm on a boulder in like maybe knee deep water. And I pull the fish out or like with the waves, it's knee deep water. I pull the fish up onto the rock beside me. And then a low 40 inch bass follows this fish up onto the rock. The tide, the wave rushes back out. The fish is like laying there on the side of the rock, flops twice and goes back into the water. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like a low 40-inch bass that just followed my yeah. plug in. So I was kind of frustrated that it didn't it eat the plug. But I was like, it's like what, May? It was like May 15th or something. And I was like, there's a 40-inch bass here, May 15th, where we are, which is like crazy. Because that's 
really, really early for there to be a bass that's in the low 40 inch size. Mm-hmm. Um, and I caught that 30 and I like caught a couple other 28 inches. And so the next day I bring him out and to the same spot and yeah. the same current and yeah. the same tide. And he's using a pencil and boom. This, this was the middle of the day. Yeah. Though. It was the middle of the day. It yeah. was probably nine. It was not 90. It was, probably, it was warm. It, it was though. 80 degrees, yeah. 12 o'clock. Yeah. He kept, he hooks into the 40, 43 inch or whatever yeah, it was. It was 43 inch. Yeah. And it didn't pull at all. It just was rolling around on the surface of the water. Yeah. And I was shocked because I was like, this is a big fish. It should be like pulling drag. And yeah. it just rolled around on the surface of the water. And we got it in. And the angler's clip I was using was mangled. Yeah. And it was hanging on by a thread. And like, I grabbed the thing the on the boat. I never caught at that point. Yeah. And I yeah. pull it up. And the thing just bottoms out the scale. And I'm like, or didn't bottom out the scale. What no, were we, what uh, were we? no, no it, was, it was 28. Yeah, it was like 28. Yeah, yeah. It was, or, it was the heaviest fish I had ever Yeah, yeah. so it, was, it should have been 30 pounds for how long of a fish it was. It was a pretty nice fish. We we were using crappy scale. Like he had a crappy scale. I had a Boga sixty. And I threw it on the Boga sixty, and it was like twenty eight, maybe twenty nine pounds. It was like on that borderline, like yeah. high twenty size twenty yeah. inch bass. Yeah. We'll pop that picture up if we can. If we can. Um, and I'm I hold it up, uh, and we're like we we like for two seconds we had it up. We brought it down to a tide pool. We had it in the water that entire time. He holds it up. We take two pictures with it. We put it back in the water. We re- revive it. It was a quick fight. It was like a maybe a half a minute fight. Yeah, literally. It was super fast. If that. Yeah. yeah, it was super fast fight. We got the the bass in. We held it up, got the weight, put it in a tide pool instantly. We're in the water, held it up, took a picture, put it back in the water, revived it, revived it, revived it, kicked off. Yep. Um, and it, we have the video... If we're inclined and able to do, we'll throw this video in. Kicks off under the water. Um, then a couple then, minutes later, yeah, we go we, up. Onto we the, gathered ourselves on the rocks. Yeah, and we start to fish again. We look over and the bass is belly up in the water. Yeah, on, on the bottom. On the bottom of the water. Of the water. Because it swam down it in the like water. It's in like 20 feet of water. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, oh. okay. So we just somehow killed this fish. Yeah. And you strip down. You swim out there. It was so cold. It was cold because it was literally it was May. May 18th or yeah. something. It was so early. You swim down to the bottom. It might not have been May. It might have it, been a little bit later. No, than no, no, no. It was no May. because I was back. I was back a little bit later. No, 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 no. No, it was May. It had to have been after. Day. It had to have been after June. It was like first early June. No, nope. yeah, it was because I wasn't. I wasn't home until early June. No, it was May. No, for a fact. It was early June. Um. Okay, it was June 12th. Yeah, it was early June. Um, <laughs> Early June. Regardless, the water was still pretty freaking cold. It was June twelfth. I thought yeah. it was May. My yeah. bad. Okay, so it was June twelfth, um, yeah. which is still pretty early, and it was still pretty cold. Yeah, and um, I did dive down and grab the thirty pound fish off the bottom of the water. Yeah, and swim it back up. Yeah, so he grabs this fish and swims it back up, and we're like, "Yes, we have it," and yeah. we bring it in, and what we try to revive. It was still like breathing, but it was like pretty much expired. Yeah, um, and we revived it for another fifteen minutes. Nothing. Nothing happened. happening. So it died. Uh, we like got a fish print of it. We had a big fish fry. It was cool. Invited I mean, a bunch we, of people. We ate it. It was yeah. fine. But so that was number one of the season. And we're kind of doing a recap of. This is just part of the. It's part of the story. Yeah. So it like, is. like because up to this point, which is at this point, we're basically at the present. We're at yeah. the beginning of this. Season. The beginning of this. Season. Up to this point, I've you, caught one you fish. From, but you went from, like. Fishing clams off the beach and yeah. barely being able to hold the rod. Yeah. To 
to then catching your first keeper. Yeah. To then catching your first big fish that almost killed you. Yeah, we didn't catch it, but like yeah, yeah. well catching. You yeah, know getting I mean? it up. Like yeah. getting it all the way up and then losing it. Yeah, which killed me. Becoming yeah. obsessed with the sport of surf casting. Yeah. And that's when you started to really dial in mm-hmm. like everything. Yeah. And then and but at but at this point mm-hmm. you had been dialing things in for so long. Yeah. But had not produced results. No. Had not produced results. Exactly. Until this start of this past season yes and you were like awesome we caught a big fish exactly so it's so what i'm trying to get across is i'm no like this is not like i've been doing this for years and i was never like i feel like a lot of great great surf casters and people that are good when they're younger are apprenticed into it almost like they learn from somebody whether it be their dad grandfather family friend anything like that like generally the person is like like uh apprenticed into being a great surf caster i went from zero Zero. so i went from not knowing anything not knowing how to cast like most people but i guess you get taught that but like not knowing anything to then having a vast amount of knowledge which is in a span of less than 10 years basically yeah exactly which is Welcome to the 21st century. Exactly. So what I'm saying is if you put in the time and you grind it out, but we'll get to furthermore how the season went. But if you put in the time and grind it out, you could get to the point where you're catching giant fish. And it's to me like, yeah, I found a great spot that nobody else knows about. Yeah. But But you were catching big fish in other places too. Yeah. It wasn't just there. True. But like, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I found a good spot, but that spot spans a long stretch. A long stretch of water. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I haven't even explored 90% of it. Yeah. I know that I, the spot that we caught that big fish in, we didn't. Yeah. I didn't catch a big fish out of that again yeah. that season. But I didn't also, I didn't fish it again until yeah. this fall again. But yeah. like, but then I fished it this fall and I'm like, why haven't I fished this again? Because I know there's big fish there. But why fish there when I know the spot closer has bigger bass? Yeah. Or I know it has But bass. anyway, like... Regardless, so... Regardless, but when you say that you... You were able to go from mm-hmm. nothing to being what I would consider, because I'm as close to a lay person as as, as yeah. I can get. Mm-hmm. But I would consider an expert. Mm-hmm. You said you you yeah. like you grinded and grinded. Yes, and I just think that like it can't be understated. Yes, the the ability, like you said, in the 21st century, there's like as in in today's day and age, there's a large access to information mm-hmm. and people are starting to put out things that you would never have mm-hmm. access to before unless yeah. to your point you were a, an apprentice or whatnot yeah. but um and i'm but, using apprentices in like yeah, yeah, yeah apprentice is a general term yeah but um uh you you still have everybody has access to it but mm-hmm. the difference is that that i think people need to understand is when you say you grind you grinded for it mm-hmm. like People, like, that term gets thrown around a lot yeah. for a lot of different things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I really grinded through that pizza last yeah. night. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you legitimately are, the yeah. only thing you're thinking about is mm-hmm. fishing 24-7, yeah. 365. Yeah. If you're not fishing, you're watching fishing videos. Exactly. If you're not watching fishing videos, you're dreaming about fishing. You know <laughs> Literally. I mean? it, it's it's just an all-consuming yeah. thing. And then you're out there as every single day you mm-hmm. possibly can yeah. be. In like hours and hours and hours and yeah, hours yeah, behind yeah. the reel, mm-hmm. and so it's been this like this. It's been short, mm-hmm. but the amount of hours that you've put in has been a more than like a year's worth of hours for an for average. A, for person. an average, it's been multiple years worth of hours, hours for an average person. Exactly. So it's not like I've. I mean, yes, I'm super new to this game. Yeah. But it was crazy the 
development in this year from zero to 60 instantly yeah kind of way because yeah. it's we, like everything just started to fall into place yeah this year. exactly the yeah exactly so the next three days later three days later we three days again. later we yeah. went out again this was at night though this was at night and he this was hilarious so this is the first time i legitimately fished with eels because i because eels exactly like they're great and you can catch giant fish with them and literally the first time eels is in like american an american, american eel, eel like just hooked hooked through the head yeah um yeah just and we'll get around. into the tackle that yeah, i yeah, use yeah, for yeah, stuff later regardless. but um so i i'm like i'm buttering this up the entire way i have no idea i'm talking like so i'm just like i have no idea and i'm like we go out there if there's a big fish there and we're gonna catch it because eels catch big fish and i'm just totally talking like, because it's just stuff you've heard yeah exactly you haven't put it in no the test. yeah and i'm finally so i break him down he comes out with me and how long were we fishing for maybe two hours no an we, hour we probably have been fishing for about an hour because you had lost a couple of eels off the hook yeah and yeah then, and so you went back up and over the rock yeah. to go where we had put the eels mm-hmm. originally to get a new one yeah and that's when i had hooked up yeah so t- talk us through exactly it what your just, mindset was at that point and that all that that cast and what happened in that it was so backstory it was a very strong south wind it was, it was huge waves. Yeah, and pretty big waves, too. And, and, yeah, so this is what we were fishing in. And we're high up on a cliff trying to get not get washed away. Yeah. Um, you cast yeah, it. And so, I ca- and yeah, and I cast it. Mm-hmm. And you had said, the way to do this is you got to reel way slower than you think you need mm-hmm. to. Exactly. And so we're just literally standing there for an hour, like, creeping along, cranking. And we had, had nothing. I had um, I had three bass that were all in the low thirties. Yeah, but, but besides I that, I had a tap, a mm-hmm. nibble. Like mm-hmm. as far as I knew, it was an empty ocean, and there were no bass because it was too rough. Yeah, and so I'm standing there and standing there, and there's a bunch of rocks and structure underneath mm-hmm. that I've been like touching and like, oh, is it a fish? It's like, no, it's just a piece of seaweed, you idiot. You know yeah. what I mean? And then. Um, and so you you lose an eel, so you have to go back up and over the rocks. Yeah. And the second you went up and over the top of the rocks, I hooked into what I thought was a snag because mm-hmm. it like I was just cranking along, and all of a sudden it was like stopped and it <laughs> stuck. And I was like, oh damn, we're gonna lose this. I'm gonna lose the whole rig off the end of this thing. And so I like try to give a little bit of a tug, and then what I think is a rock just shifts to the left, and I was like, oh god. And then it just takes off and starts going like running to the side. Like back and forth, and I, and I I almost get yanked off like you did because I was yeah. totally caught off guard as yeah. far as like this fish, and you can't hear me because the no. south wind. But you, is yeah, I was like trying to. I was like, if you hook up, yell. And yeah. you didn't say anything. And, this was... and then and so I'm I'm fighting this fish for like five minutes because you because we had forgot a rag, so it was really hard to yeah. handle the eels. Mm-hmm. So you were over the edge trying to hook yourself up to a yeah. slimy eel. Yeah. Five minutes later, you finally come back over the thing, <laughs> yeah. and I'm hooked up, and you're like, you got something? <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, how big? is it and he's like it's massive <laughs> and so i'm like so i like throw my rod yeah. down, really i like put my rod down i run over and i'm like just be calm and i didn't know he was fighting this thing for five minutes before yeah. so like, just be calm go slow we're gonna get this thing in and he's like pulling along pulling along we're on a sheer cliff and then you're like come this way so i start walking to the left yeah and then it starts going the other <laughs> way and like oh we're gonna go back and so we walk back yeah. the other way and i'm like okay yeah. so i had him loosen up a little bit on the drag because i was like i didn't want what happened to me that time happened to him where you the get, fish takes off and yeah, yeah exactly so he walks it over i'm ready i'm climbed down the rocks these giant waves are coming up and i'm trying to grab it 
finally this bass kind of emerges out of the water. It was big. It was a forty pound bass all day. Yeah, and it was, it was so a, much. It was a mid we, forty pound. We had caught a forty three incher. Or I mm-hmm. caught a forty three incher. Yeah. in a very similar location mm-hmm. the 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 day two days before. Yeah, exactly. a day before basically. Yeah. So we had I had a good idea in my head of like what a forty three inch bass looks like. Yeah, and this thing was. So much larger yeah. than a. It was probably bass. close to fifty inches. Like it was enormous. Yeah. It was a big. It was forty-eight, yeah. fifty-inch bass. It was a. It, but like, so I like saw it. I tried. I grabbed the leader. I'm pulling it up towards me, and the hook just pops out. Yeah. The bass slides back into the water, and, and it's, it's gone. gone. But I touched the bass. So I. So the first thing is, I grabbed the leader. I touched the bass. You, you grabbed it with your hand, and, and it shook, and, and it I, shook. And I couldn't hold on to it. Yeah. So technically, it was caught fish, or we'll lo- use that term Whatever. loosely. It was. It was it very was, exciting. Yeah. And we so we lost that bass, and yeah. we were pissed. But we and were then like, and then three days later, you took dad out. Yeah, yeah. So it was Father's Day three days later or whatever. Whatever. Not, it wasn't three. Early, it might have been a week later. Yeah, but well, what do you? I mean, like June twelfth. A couple days later is like June fifteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth. Like yeah. June June sixteenth is basically Father's Day. Yeah. At that point, so, so it was Father's Day, and yeah. my dad's a much bigger fisherman than you. Yeah. At this, I mean, I we would fish. I'd fish with him all the time. We would go because I'm just never around. Exactly, and we'd go everywhere, and we'd fish. And so I was like, I'm going to take you out. It's perfect conditions. It was like a new moon. It was like perfect tide. It was like everything was perfect. And the wind was blowing the right way. I was like, I guarantee you, you're going to get big fish. It was the same type of night. Yeah. It was quiet. Yeah. It was actually not the same type of night, but it was quiet. It was not wavy What one bit. It was... And by the way, the only reason I didn't dive in the water to grab his fish is because we were wearing waders. Um, that would, otherwise, I liter- literally would have dove into the water and bear hugged the fish because uh, that's what I would have done if I wasn't wearing waders. And I almost did because when it slid back into the water, I could have dove in after it, but I just I just didn't because I knew I was going to like sink. It also was rough as hell. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty big waves. Um, if I was wearing a wetsuit, I definitely would have just dove in and grabbed it. But... Um, but anyway, so we so we get out there. It's the same type of night. He casts out. He's slowly working the eel in all night long. And at the very end of the night, where like a couple of casts left, he hooks up and it doesn't move for a second. I hear it thrash out in the distance. And we're in the same spot. And it just tears offline. And he's using a giant reel. I mean, he's using a Daiwa dogfight with 80-pound braid. And he has it locked down and thinks tearing drag out and i'm just like oh my god another yeah, yeah i was like this it was one. my fish it, for sure it was another absolutely <laughs> enormous bass um and so we grab the stuff i go up i watch him he's fighting this and i was like there's no way this thing's getting off because he has giant gear like yeah. he, i'm using we're also using 80 pound fluorocarbon leaders too so there i mean there was no way everything was set up for yeah no there was like because we knew it was going to happen so we weren't super caught off guard knew it was yeah exactly yeah so but he got it up to the rocks um um and i dove into i was wearing waders too i dove into the water i grabbed the fish there was no way it was not as rough and i'm like i grabbed the fish i put my boga in it and we're like yes we landed this one we get it up um, and we put it on the bow grip and it goes to like 40 pounds. Like it was, a, yeah, it was like, it was a, 40, like a 48 out, 48 inch fish. Yeah. Another 48 inch yeah. bass. So it was like a 40, low 40 pound bass. Again, we'll put up a photo again of it. Um, and you'll see how steep, if we can put this photo up. I mean, yeah. it was, pretty, it was it so steep. Cliff. Yeah. Um, and we, we get that whole thing 
like weighed out and it was just amazing. And that was just the, the beginning. And that was just the beginning. And we can go into more stories of the season later, but that was But this season how many I mean like rough estimate. Rough you estimate. Don't have, you don't I, I know so I got I got five bass over forty five inches and I got three or I got three that were forty eight and one that was forty nine inches. And, and the forty nine inch bass was forty eight to forty seven pounds. So that was almost another fifty pound bass. Yeah, which is like so the crazy. season and and then countless fish. Like yeah, twenty eight, the twenty eight, twenty thirty eight inch. Yeah, range, I right? mean, oh yeah, like I mean, we've I, yeah. I it's been insane. Like I couldn't tell you the number of forty inch bass that I've caught this year. Yeah, like I mean, I mean, not to sound cocky, but I mean, it's no, it's just no, because it's just it just is like every this was after after like multiple years of yeah. like. Hardcore commitment and yeah. grinding and through. Mm-hmm. This is the year where just everything just started falling exactly. into place. Exactly, and it's crazy because like I posted so many pictures of these fish, and a lot of the time, I mean, yeah, there could have been a couple repeated fish, but the same picture. But ninety percent of those pictures were different fish. Like pretty much a hundred percent of those pictures were different fish. There might have been a couple, but it's like every single picture is a different bass. So it's crazy to put into perspective when you're holding up the same fish and you're wearing the same gear because yeah. it's literally the night after I'm wearing the same bathing suit yeah, for two nights in a row. Yeah, I don't have Ex- so many bathing suits. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's like a new moon I'm catching like four bass that are all like mid to high 40, 30 pounds and a couple are hitting 40. And there's many fish that I caught that were 40 inches that I didn't take pictures of. I mean, I went out one night and I caught 30 bass yeah. over 20 pounds in a couple that were 30s. Yeah. All on the Pumbaa plugs with yeah. the guy that makes them. And we had a great night the other night, yeah. um, which is so like, it's all like this fall was crazy with the amount of like 30 pound bass that were around. It was just insane. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's, that was like, it's that like was a pretty, that's that, that was a season. And now yeah. it's basically winding down to it, winding down to a close at this point. Yeah, like, exactly. There's, there's a couple stragglers mm-hmm. hanging around, but nothing, no. nothing crazy. But, yeah, that brings us basically to the present, where like yeah, all the way through. Yeah. So so you know, now you guys know it's like yeah, I'm super super new to the game, but I figured it out. Super new to the game. That's what I'm trying yeah, to say. It's like you, there's going to be more to come as far as that whole like progression in fishing. Because yeah. each year I feel like I'm twice as good every single year that I've fished. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's possible to have a better season than I did this year, especially with the bass the way they are yeah. now. But but like, it's just all about, it's all about like, you know, like expanding your territory and mm-hmm. learning about new, about, you know, new areas mm-hmm. and like new ways of fishing and whatnot. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. knows? Maybe next season we'll have some stuff off of a boat or whatnot. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's just, there's always more to mm-hmm. learn. Right? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, and to my point at the beginning, when I said all knowledge is power, Yeah, all knowledge is power. I mean, I'm so new to it. I, I figured out what works for me yeah. and I've been able to catch incredible fish on plugs. I've been able to catch incredible fish on, um, eels. Uh, but it's all been different. And I, and so I don't know, what do we have next? Yeah. Time? I mean, like, like um it's yeah i mean other than other, other than that being like your your story like coming up to the coming up to the present yeah like as far as as far as next season like we just talked about it a little bit but like do you have any like legitimate 
legitimate, like serious considerations that you're thinking about, like next yeah. next season. So, ideas? so here's very interesting, and it's so. I don't know. So we have the documentary that we made of the year before this Co- year, Coastline. Coastline by Sestrugi Films. By Sestrugi Films. Who's our other brother. Who is our other brother. And um, he's going to be around this summer. Um, so we're going to make a TV show. Yeah. Series. Like a TV show. Yeah. Um. And with like like sort of like regular episodes, I exactly. Guess. Yeah, with regular episodes of me fishing, and it's not going to be just striped bass. Um, it's going to be all different, all different, but exactly. But but primarily the focus striped bass is going to be striped uh, bass. We're going to try to do some bluefin tuna fishing, so that's going to be the that, interest, that, that'd, that'd be exciting, exciting. Um, because of um, yeah, yeah, we have a a, a friend. Yeah, yeah, we have we have a guy. Yeah. Um. So who said you should come out and fish with me? Yeah. And he catches 700-pound tunas all the time. Yeah. So that's something that we I've always wanted to do, and we're in, like, the best place to do it. Yeah. So we got to go out and try to get a tuna. That's something that's going to happen. I'm hoping to get on different fish. I'm hoping to do some different stuff, experiment, try to get some bass that are bigger. Try to get – I want to get at least a 40-pound bass – and the crazy thing is my brother was there when I caught a couple of those 40s to take pictures of. So that's where it's like the highest quality photos and the craziest, coolest, like looking yeah. photos on your Instagram largely are his photos. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. And we're like, okay. But the, the hard part is I'm way out and with the surf crashing on me 90% it's of the, the time. It's the worst. The worst. Like, as, thing Gu- as Gus would say, the worst possible filming conditions are exactly. also the worst possible fishing conditions. Yeah. Or yeah. the best possible fishing conditions are the worst, worst possible, possible filming yeah, conditions. Yeah, either or. Yeah. But, um, but what we're, so we're going to try to get a 40 pound bass on film. That's like our big goal. Yeah. To get a 40 pound bass on film. Like yeah. us from me hooking into it to landing it. Because, yeah. yeah, there's, there's like, a lot to be learned. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, there's a lot to be learned. But there's also like, yeah, you can see that stuff at the canal or on a boat. Yeah. But I don't know of a single video out there of someone from the surf, yeah, like, hooking into a bass. And so landing. talk about, like... That's huge. Talk about your, like, pro, like process. Oh, yeah. Because you, know, um, you know it's unequivocal when you catch a big fish. There's yes. no There's no... Oh, like maybe I have a big one on the other end. It <laughs> yeah. you you from from yeah, the, yeah. only the couple that I've caught and you yeah. caught an umpteen more than me. Yeah, there's it's unequivocal. So like, yeah. what's your like? Just walk walk us through what happens when, yeah. when you know you've hooked up to a big one. Well, so the the like every single time you hook into a and this is unless you're fishing in super deep. I mean, I'm fishing in pretty shallow water, but ninety nine percent of the time you hook into a big fish, it goes like this. You, you're reeling whatever your plug or your uh, eel or whatever you're fishing, and it hits it. It feels like it just stops. The fish, if it's big, will go up to the surface, thrash for a couple seconds, and then it will take off on a run. Generally, if it's a really big fish, it will go through three runs. It'll have its initial run, which it will rip probably, depending on the size. If it's over 35 pounds... It will rip about 25 yards of line with your Vanstall VS250, which is this guy right here. Easy. Or 200, I mean. With that locked all the way down. Yeah. And I legit, like, I don't know a single person that fishes harder, like, will fight a fish harder than me. 
because I literally, I mean, I fish with 50 pound braid, I uh, fish with 65 pound leader, 90% of the time, whatever I'm doing, because yeah. I've, I've lost too many fish in the past, and I was like, net, like, I don't want, the only fish that we lost that was big, or I lost two fish that were decent, I lost one that was low 40s, which I don't really care about that much, but it was, <laughs> it was because of all the, all big, the fish big fish that catching. I caught, and then we lost his like 40 yeah. pounder which sucked but that was not to a gear fa- failure yeah the other one that i lost to a gear failure i was fishing with 50 pound leader and it just snapped in the middle for no reason yeah. um so i've now i fish 65 now that's the lowest i'll go even now i'm still fishing 65 pound leaders and there's nothing bigger than a 30 inch bass around yeah um but uh so i fished super heavy drag on no matter where i am fishing on a sandy beach i'm still on a fish super heavy drag um, so I have my drag locked down. The fish goes through its first 15 yard, 15, 20 yard run. Um, if you can survive that, you pretty much have the fish because then you can turn it, you can reel in it a little bit, then it's going to go for another run that will probably rip out five or six yards and then you'll get it up to your rock pretty close to you and then it will try to pull again, pull like three yards a line and then you can land them. That's pretty much the fight. If it's huge... If Every it's, time they do three or like... It, it's well, always for, three. Well, if I have heavy drag, like oh, I do, it's so it's so for your for your setup for you, three. it probably took more than that. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't even really I wasn't paying attention. But that's to the thing; it's like for somebody that's like holding the rod, letting it run, then reeling a little bit like this without like absolutely leaning into the fish yeah. like I do, it could do more than that. But for me, it's the taking three runs every single time. Every time, depending like, but if it's like close to a fifty pound bass, those runs can be way more. So the biggest fish that I hooked this season... Way more as in, like, each run is longer? Yes. Okay. Uh, or that's, there's it, more frequent number It's of longer runs. because it's harder to pull a fish that's that heavy in. Okay. Um, and the crazy thing is I'm using the GSB Skinner rod, um, which is a 9'2", like, medium lighter. I don't know what it is. But it's a light rod. And Relative, that's right. Like relatively light. Relatively yeah, light yeah. for what I'm doing. And I'm, it, this is what I caught the biggest fish of the season on. Um... And so that's crazy because this is a light rod, but it, but I fish my drag super heavy. I'm fishing like really hard, but it has backbone to land it. Um, and so, so you're, so, so it goes through those three runs Mm -hmm. and then you're, and then then I, and then you get it up and then you try to pull it up under your rock and then it flops back into the water. Like there's like, I've had so many times where I'm like, yeah, I should have lost the fish the way that I landed it. Cause I'm like. It's I'm have slack line. I'm like trying to land this fish, and it's thrashing around. I'm getting hit by waves, yeah. and like I'm like I should have lost but the in fish. A, but in an ideal scenario, in an do- ideal scenario, you get it in. You grab the leader. You pull it up on the rock. You grab your boga. You put the boga in its mouth, and the fish is not. How do you away. avoid not snapping the tip of your rod? Uh, well, I try to like pull it back, and then like give it some slack and grab my leader yeah. but that's but then when you give it slack, sometimes sometimes it'll kick you off. release it. So it's and, just you gotta be quick. Yeah, you gotta be quick and like. I, what I think is like if I can do that and get it to that point, unless you want to really take a photo of it, I mean it's you a quick release. You caught the fish. Yeah, exactly. You got what you wanted to get out of the bass. Yeah. So like you get it up there, and a lot of the times I make peace with like okay, if I lose it now, it's like it's okay. It's okay. In your in your head. Even though we would love to get your fish because that's like one of the biggest fish you've ever got. But yeah. Like, but regardless, at that time, especially if you catch like a giant like the fish when I that the biggest one of the season when I got that up it was getting thrown like I got washed further into the rocks and I was having to get it and I was getting hit by waves and I was like I thought it was a 50 pound bass yeah because it was huge it was ginormous 
Um, and my brother was there too. So this fish, he was there filming. Yeah. Um, not filming. Actually, there is film of it later, but like not filming me hooking it and fighting it, but he was taking pictures at that point. Yeah. And then he switched over to film and we did a little film of it. Yeah. Um, but that was a, uh, mid to high 40 pound bass. Um, um when you're, but so like when you, when you're initially hooking into mm-hmm. it, like most people, I mean, obviously you've caught a lot of them now, yeah. so it's just, I mean, it's just sort of yeah. normal, but most people would start to freak out so yeah that's like so what i thought a lot about i was like when i would always fish before and we hooked into over the years we've hooked into bass that were up to 30 pounds before like not me personally but either my dad or my whatever would hook and hooked into big fish and we'd always lose them because we'd always freak out and we'd always make mistakes now it's easier said than said than done to say don't freak out when you hook into a big fish yeah but it's one of those things that's like what you want to do is you want to focus you want to focus and you, you want to do like we're fighting a 40 pound bass with the same mentality that you're going to fight a 28 30 inch bass you would land it 99 percent of the time which is how i fight him yeah. where i don't freak out and i pay close attention to is it going to get near a rock is it going to get tang- like and i try to like it's hard to explain when you're like okay Lean into your rod. Make sure you always maintain pressure. There's all these things that that are yeah, going yeah. On. There's all these little things, but but uh, as, as a mental as a as mental, mental headspace, you just you're just Breathe. you're just you're just breathing and just yeah. saying it, and just thinking yeah. to yourself like just act like it's a act, act like, like it's a, small a smaller fish. fish. Yeah, act like which is really hard to do because it's not trying to yank fish. you off the rock. And that's the thing. It's like if you want to land a lot of big fish, and the more I caught big fish, the more I landed big fish. Yeah. Um. Which is I feel part of the game. Exactly. But if I could think to myself in the moment and say, breathe and enjoy the moment and stop stressing about trying to land this fish. Yeah. Every single time I did that, I'd land bass. Yeah. And because I'd always be like, oh my God, this is a big fish and it's peeling dragon. I can't yeah. stop it. Yeah. And I just got to be like, okay, take a deep breath. Yeah. This is a second in the time. Like it feels like it's going a lot, a lot longer, faster, like a lot longer than, it than it actually, actually is. is. Yeah. And you're like, you're sitting there and the thing is ripping out drag and I'm just like, okay, so tense, so tense. And I'm just like, breathe deep breaths, you know, okay, yeah. let it go. Let it run. It's going to stop. Yeah. Like it's going to stop running at some point. And as soon as it stops, that's your first time you can really start to move it. And if the goal is to keep the bass as high in the water column as possible, because as soon as it gets down, it's going to get you in a rock. It's, yeah. Cause do, do they actually like, Actively try They'll actively to, try to screw, like if you've ever dragged a fish into a tide pool and you still have a plug in its mouth, they will go sideways on the ground and they will drag their side across the ground trying to rip the plug out of your wow your like out of their mouth. So like it's just like completely exactly yeah yeah. So like it's the same way if, if you like because they don't know what's going on yeah. but they're going and actively scraping their mouths on the thing like not because I put them in pretty deep water. And you give them slack and you let them swim around. You see it with schoolies. They'll swim around. A lot of the time, they'll go down and try to scrape the plug out of their mouth. Huh. Um, I saw it yesterday. I saw. I was literally seeing this. And I'm like, this is what happens when you hook a big fish. It does the same thing. Yeah. Except that you're pulling. It's just pulling drag. And that's why a lot of the time, you'll pull in a fish with a, with a plug. And you'll have seaweed on your plug. Because it will try to get you and scrape oh, against those rocks. I always thought it was just like in the water. And you, you reel yeah, it yeah. in. But it, it, it just, well, it depends. Like if you feel it on the rock, a lot of the times it's because it's scraping, it's scraping your plug. Your plug on the mm-hmm. rock. Huh. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And so that's the thing. You really, 
like if you can remain calm and you can keep the fish up and you like think about okay the fish is in a rock i feel my line going i saved a bass i was 35 pounds this season because i hooked it up right behind a rock it went right into the rock and i loosened my drag up immediately like immediately loosened my drag up all the way it's very hard to cut 50 pound braided line when it's not with scissors with scissors when it, with tension yeah yeah so when it's loose you can go like this and it's, and it's not gonna cut yeah so you can go on this it yeah. might cut i mean it's gonna be better uh, you're, and you're you're motioning to you're, the... um i'm motioning to the uh um fluorocarbon leader but uh, which i do like because it is abrasion resistant but it's really hard to break loose line. I know, like, John Skinner talks about this in his YouTube videos. Yeah. But they're, uh, which, so I'm not claiming, like, this is, like, yeah. something that I've done. Yeah. This is a thing that has been tested by other people. Yeah. And, again, taking knowledge from other people, taking bits and pieces and from other people's work and apply it to your own situation, your own, because from where I was fishing, there's nobody that, like, does videos or write, really writes articles. I mean, so, there's a few, but yeah. it's not, like... So always take from other people bits and pieces. But not of their exactly what it is. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm not saying do exactly what I'm saying, telling you to do. I'm saying this it's works what, for me. Yeah. If you want to take a bit of my knowledge and apply it to your situation, situation, yeah, it might work. So loosen your, if you're in a boulder field and the bass takes you into a rock, loosen up immediately. Because like I thought all that, the way, like pretty much like all the you, way. Like, you'd like be if able to I was it. fishing for a squeeze. Like, that's what I have my drag at. And you're just easily pulling that out of the middle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's even a little tighter than I would yeah. say. But, like, pretty much loosen it up all the way. Yeah. Um, as I'm gonna, yeah, you're my good. rod's going to fall. Good. But pretty much loosen it up all the way because you want that bass to... There's two things that are going to happen. You want to keep enough pressure that you'll keep the hook in its mouth. Yeah. Generally, the rock will do that for you. But <laughs> um, what will happen is you'll have it there. Hopefully, the bass will get stuck... Be there a bit. Feel that there's pressure from that side. Turn and go in the other direction. Yeah. And it will untangle you. Yeah. And I fought... And the, what happened this year is I hooked the bass up on a plug. Took me around a rock. I fought it for probably 10 minutes. It was hit against that rock for about 10 minutes. I loose drag. I was slowly pumping. Slowly pumping. And eventually the bass swam out. And I was able to get it up and tighten my drag back down. Not a lot because you don't want... If it's frayed line, you don't want to snap it. I was able to get it up and land it, and it was a good 30-pound bass, good 35-pound bass in the boga. So it it is a tried way that helps you land a big fish. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so, and and you're and you're doing all of this almost always at the dead of night. Yeah. So, but, but do you so? Before you talk about like why, like mm -hmm. like it, like why you yeah. why you want to fish at night, mm -hmm. like do you you didn't fish at night in the beginning? No, ever. I hate fishing at night. Really? And, yeah, it's, I hate fishing at night. But at the same time, why do you hate fishing at night? Because I hate the dark. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it freaks me out. And I mean, like I don't get. And the more I've done it, like I don't get freaked out anymore. But when I would do it last year, I was like, I would always just be freaked out and always like paranoid in the yeah. dark. But I feel like that's kind of just a thing for yeah, everyone. Yeah, I feel it's sort of natural for most. It's, exactly. It's a survival instinct. Yeah, it's I know. Yeah. But so I, I hate fishing at night, but then so the more you wouldn't I did it, rec you wouldn't recommend in the beginning somebody trying to fish at night. I if they were would, learning. but just the but that's the whole thing. Like it's trial it, and error. If you it when you have a headlamp on, it's like you're during the day. Like you can see where you're going. It's yeah. just that you can't. It's like you can see where you're going, but you have no peripheral. So. Yeah. I've heard that if you, if you, I mean, obviously it's not really possible because you have a lot of stuff in your hands usually, yeah. but if you hold, 
if you hold a flashlight like in your hand, mm-hmm. then it, instead of the beam coming down and it being flat with yeah. no depth perception, mm-hmm. if you have it on your hand, yeah, it's it's at an angle, so you yeah. get, you can you can easily tell. So like, as far as lights perception. go, so I but, fish a lot at night. Okay, because so because but I hate fishing at night. You hate fishing at night, but. Do so, I suggest it to someone? So this is why I'd say if I, I say, if I was if I was if I was like if, if I was you, like my skill that I am yeah. now, would you say go fish by yeah, yourself at night? One hundred percent. So if you can if you can cast proficiently, yeah, and you are able to walk across rocks proficiently, you're allowed to fish at night in my book. Okay. So that's the thing because you don't want to, or I would guess cast. I'd say if you can fish proficiently in yeah. general. So if you can tie. Pl- plugs and everything yeah. if you can if you, if you can tie a plug cast unhook a fish and like fight fish and you and feel confident with that and you're and like stuff. you're able to navigate around it if you're wildly overweight and you can't walk across the rocks <laughs> don't do it because you're yeah. gonna hurt yourself yeah, even, just, during the day. even during the day <laughs> um, but if you're fairly confident walking on your feet or you've been doing it a while yeah. I mean I've taken people out that can't even feel their feet do you, do, you, do you recommend like going would you do you ever go to a location for the first time at night that's it or do you always I would go not that's the, the one thing I would say I would not do don't go to a location at night for the first time because here's the oh, for the crying out loud oh, um okay and yeah. they won't be able to hear that <laughs> anyway so um you wouldn't recommend going your yeah, first because time. for two reasons one you've no idea the structure so during the day you can see if there's current at night it's okay. like a lot harder to do okay. that or like current and like water breaks and different structure okay. it's just it, easier it's to like, see stuff it's easier to plan and I would okay. always even in the winter if you're going to go fish a spot at least hike through it and look at it even in the winter that's what you should do in the winter if you know of a spot unless it's like crazy going across rocks but if you can quickly go swing by a spot or go look at something on Google Earth at, in the winter this is literally what I do every winter is I look at you Google scared. Earth for hours upon hours upon hours. <laughs> Google Earth. Literally. <laughs> and I go along, and I look and look, and I find 15, 20 spots. And then yeah. I go to those 15, 20 spots in the winter, and I'm like at all the, at like both all sides the of the tides. tides. And I look and I say, okay, this is good current here, this is good current there. I found like. Do you write it down? Or is it just. Yeah, like yeah, that? I write it down. Okay. And I, or because you can also pin it on Google Earth, oh. and you can put it little like caption. Okay. Um, so I'll do that on Google Earth. And then, so hopefully nobody steals my phone. <laughs> I was about to say, um, people are going to be looking for your laptop now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Even though, yeah, exactly. So um, so I, that's what I'll do is and I'll go look at I'll even bring a rod and I'll cast out plugs and I'll see if they'll swing. In and you're not going to catch anything. Exactly. Yeah. But you, you do that just to make sure, okay, there's current here, so it's going this way or it's going that way yeah. or slack here, everything like that. So I'm looking at all of that and then... Yeah, if you don't, if you've never fished there before, and you can just go look at the water and say, okay, this is good. Go there at night. You can. It's fine to go there at night because okay. you know where to go. Yeah. You get there, you fish it, and then yeah, hopefully you do well. But so, like, so now now the, the question: Why at night? Why? why at night? Because for some stupid reason, <laughs> you catch absolutely giant <laughs> fish at night, um, and that's not like the case all the time. But if you want to make your odds of catching a fish go way way up maximize your chances maximize your chances fish at night because if you have a 15 percent, i don't know if you have 25 percent chance to get a fish there during the day, day yeah. you might have a 60 percent chance to get oh, okay. it okay so night. you're like basically t- twice as likely yeah exactly and the reason i'm saying is for many i mean there's all sorts of different like like theories like 
if I'm a giant fish and I have to sneak up on a little bait fish, it's a lot easier for the little bait fish to see me from farther away during the day during the day yeah. when I can sneak up closer to it at night. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but there's a lot of different things like that. Other ones are they feel safer at night going into shallower water. The which bass is or the bait? The bass. Okay. Um, and I guess the bait do get pushed up closer to shore during night at night, but that's the whole thing. It's like a lot of the fish that I was fi- catching this year were feeding on massive bunker schools 200 yards off the beach. Yeah. And I was getting those, and those bass at night would come into the shore and feed in the boulders at night. And that's, those were the fish that I was getting. And a bunker is like... An Atlantic Manhattan, a bunker uh, can be tiny, but they're pretty much that big, and they look exactly like this color. They're maybe a little bit wider And for people who are watching the, the video... Yeah, like, they're not watching the video. They're... They like can a be, silvery color? They're, yeah, they're a silvery... They're a, a, like a large white bait fish. Yeah. Is, that's what I would say they are. They're a large white bait fish, but otherwise, they're... But they can be pretty much 12. They can be almost a foot long. I mean, they can be big. But they can also just be tiny. They can be tiny. They can be half an inch long. I mean, that's peanut bunker. But the adult bunker is the best food, the best bait to catch a giant fish with. Hands down. But better than mackerel. I mean, you... Do you think it's better than than mackerel? Because I feel like like a lot of people know mackerel. You know what I mean? But that's the thing. It's like I see a lot of people that live line mackerel from their boats because there's so many mackerel where I fish. Yeah. But rarely do I see them feeding on, ma- like, the bass feeding on the mackerel, even though they're there. Like, I've had times... Why is that? Why do you think that, like, that like I... mackerel is so much more popular than... As, like, a bait as, like, fish? Because even, yeah. even when... That's true, because you go to a tackle store to go buy bait, and it's, like, mackerel is, like, the frozen bait. But, because I think it's a lot easier to catch, because they'll actually... Eat a eat like a sabiki. So you to get. think that it might be just that it's, it's easier to get easier to catch them. So yeah. that's why people fish them more. Yes, that's and probably my. The only thought. way that you can catch uh, is to snag them. Is to catch a, a bunker. Yeah, is to snag them because they're because you can't any other because they they're filter feeders. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> they so they feed on like plankton, uh, and that's they. You're not gonna throw a plankton out there on a hook. Exactly. Yeah. So um. So you have to just like rip a hook through a school. And yeah, through a school, one. and you'll snag them in the back or in the mouth or whatever. Whereas, then, whereas the the mackerel, the mackerel you can drop that. I've caught mackerel on salt pro, sp minnows, Daiwa sp minnows. Really? Caught, yeah. And I, then there's obviously the other like day mackerel. I did, and it was the same size of it. It was like I caught a tinker mackerel on an sp minnow. What's a tinker mackerel? A small mackerel. A, ma- a tinker mackerel is like, I don't know. It can be any. It can be pretty small, but they're like five inches maybe. Yeah, of course, smaller, I guess. But I've caught like I caught a five-inch mackerel on a five-inch sp minnow yesterday, and it wasn't like I snagged it; it ate the tail treble hook, uh, which was like I've never done that before. And I've caught them on soft plastics and like spoons and stuff, but um, and I've had them hit top water too. I think the mackerel here are just insane, though. As far like as I've never heard anywhere else anybody say I've had a mackerel hit a pencil popper except (laughs) for here. Because um, I've, ha- I've literally had a mackerel hit a pencil popper. That's funny. I never really thought about that because, like, they're predatory. No, no, no. I'm I'm saying the concept of mackerel being the bait mm-hmm. just because it's easier to catch and they're not yeah, necessarily like the I'd better say. bait. But that's just a, like a guess of mine. Like for most people on a boat, in your observation, check up mackerel and get them. But it, my observation is, yeah. whenever I throw a mackerel colored plug, 
uh, at night or anything, it yeah. wouldn't do as well as a bunker. As a bunker, and even during the even, day, even during the day, I would prefer to throw bunker yellow or like bunker colored colored plugs plugs versus macro color plugs. Hmm. Now, confidence thing yeah. probably, yeah. but the other thing that I think it is more importantly is the bass in my area, which have both bait fishes, bait fish. Yeah, you know. um, uh, prefer the bunker over the mackerel. Hmm. My personal opinion. Yeah. Now, have do I know for a fact that people catch forty pound bass on live mackerel? Yes. Yeah. Canal is a great example. The Cape Cod Canal. I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. Blitzing mackerel, giant yeah. bass blitzing yeah. on mackerel. Yeah. But do I think it's easier to catch a big fish on a bunker? That's my. That's your observation. Observation could be wrong, but you know. So you you fish at night just because. You you think it just because it oh, maximizes it means, your chances? Yes, yes. Of, and of catching it's a so bag. much more difficult in the other ways. It's so much more difficult to trick a big fish into hitting a plug at during, during the, day the day than it is at night. I think okay. just because it sees that profile at night, even and it hits it. But isn't there some advantages where like during the day they can also see better? Yeah. So okay, then the other advantage is a pencil popper or a, a spook or uh, you know any a pencil popper is. Probably one of the best big fish lures. Top water. Top water plug. Dances yeah. side to side on the yeah. surface. This this guy, right? Uh no. Yes. 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 That that guy that is the Pumba this is not a Pumba pencil, but that is the Pumba big eye. Um that's a great pencil popper, especially this time of year when the bass are feeding on uh, peanut bunker and stuff like that. It's but good but it's you only would fish it during the day? Yes. I would not fish, and here's the super controversial thing. Um, I wouldn't fish a pencil popper at night. I've heard people, I've had people that... You've got people riled up. I've got people riled up about it. I had a guy once at a fishing show that said he caught a 55-pound bass on a pencil popper at night. And I'm like, okay, all the power to you if you can catch a 50-pound bass on a pencil popper, but that was probably not the best plug to use in that scenario. Like, if you can get them on a pencil popper, you can get them better on something else. Okay. I'd rather throw a needlefish or a darter or something that's better than that. And you in, probably... At get, night. At yeah, because it's saying. like... Yeah, for a lot of the... Like, I... 90% of the time, if I'm fishing during the day, I'm fishing topwater. Okay. And, and is it just because it's more fun? Yes. But it also catches bigger fish. You think? Or is that yeah. just because you fish it more often? Um, I think that is just a fact because, um, like... I think it annoys big fish into hitting it. Like, actually, though, because, like, a lot of the times the bass will, like, not hit anything else, you know, because they're not really feeding during the day. And you throw a pencil popper out there, and it thrashes all over the surface throwing water up. The bass just hits it because it's, like, so, like, reaction-based, like, opportunistic feeding fish that you could have mackerel swimming by the head of this bass and that are injured during the day, and it would not hit it. But if there's a pencil popper thrashing around on the surface, they'll smack that. And sometimes you can get bass riled up doing that. Like the other day, I had literally was throwing something like this during the day, and um, which is just a small uh, spook style plug. Um, uh, and I hooked, I, I had a mackerel come up and hit it three times. Then I had a bass that was probably 35 inches hit the mackerel and stun it on the surface of the water, 
not my plug, the mackerel that was eating, trying to eat my plug. Then I had a bass try to eat my plug. Then I had an even bigger bass that was probably 35 inches eat the mackerel. <laughs> so like, it was like, that's the whole thing that, and I wasn't even throwing mackerel colored plug. I was throwing something that would, was tiny and looked like a peanut bunker. Um, but so it's like, it, there's such weird creatures when it comes to like keying in on like bait. Okay. So it's kind of hard as a to, general rule of thumb, you'd say consistently bigger fish at night, at least here, yeah. consistently bigger fish at night. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to fish at night, yeah, you can't use, you can't use top water stuff. Yes. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to fish at night, um, fish something under the water because the bass, yeah, they're going to look up, but they're not going to be able to, and this is the whole pencil poppers. They're not going to be able to follow the pencil on the surface as well as they would during the day. Cause they could see it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, and yes, they have good eyesight at night. And sometimes when it's a full moon, it is super bright and you have a chance to, and yeah. you could, yeah. And I'm sure you could get them on a pencil at night and I have a great example of it. One night I was fishing on a new moon. I thought I had seaweed on my darter. I ripped it up to the surface. I was actually reeling it in as fast as I could on the surface of the water. I had a 30-pound bass leap out of the water, land on top of my plug, not get hooked. So I paused the plug, which was a floating plug, and the thing hits it again, huh. and I've hooked into a 35-pound bass. There you go. So it's so it's so like yeah, the, it tracked it during on the surface, and it was probably like oh shoot, this bait fish is getting away from me. I'm gonna hit it, mm-hmm. which is probably what it thought. But it was like somebody took a picture and went behind my thing. It was so streamlined. <laughs> it was just like, shoo. and I, it was super bright. And I saw the whole thing happen. Um, and it was a giant fish to do. It was probably 45 inches. It was huge. It was a big bass. And um, it just like perfectly leapt out of the water. But your, but so, but, 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 but your recommendation is daytime, mm-hmm. top water. Top that's water. your, that's, that's your my thing. Like go to is either pencil popper. Or I've really, really gotten into the walking style plugs. We have the Magnum Walker, the Pumba Pencil Ma- or Pumba Plug Magnum Walker is an incredible, the two, both sizes, this is the small size, there's a bigger size, um, and the bigger one is an incredible big fish plug. I yeah. mean, I've had so many bass all in the 40 pound hit that yeah. during the day. Like that's a great, great, great plug to throw to get big fish. Um, that's like exactly what I would throw during the day is either yeah. some sort of a pencil popper, yeah. some sort of a walking plug on the surface. Yeah. Personal preference, obviously. Yeah. But like that will call the bigger bass. Like if you're content catching schoolies, then, then go SP minnows. SP minnows or whatever. Um, but if in even the smaller Magnum walkers here, um, those are great for schoolies during yeah. the day. And yeah, sometimes it's super choppy water and you can't throw a pencil, but at the same time, Sometimes it's super windy and choppy water, and that's the only thing you can get them to hit on. Yeah. I was throwing a pencil popper the other day, or I tried everything, bucktails, like SP minnows, everything, throughout the Pumba pencil, the only thing that was catching bass that day. And it was, and I tried other colors of the Pumba pencils. It only wanted, they wanted the Blue Mac Pumba pencil. That was the only plug they would hit. Um, and I caught probably 15 bass on only that, and they're all like 25 inches in a couple 30 inches but like it was like they're all like decent sized bass this fall on the Puma pencil during one of the nor'easters and then and and then nighttime and then nighttime mm-hmm. you're doing mm-hmm. um what? what so this so the the so any sort of swimming plug um the their puma plugs has a great um shad stick um the slab the fatty slab 
is a great one. All I love these in bunker um, are all great, great night fishing plugs. They have a wobbler. The wobbler is great. That's the wobbler and Mac. I did really well on actually green Mac wobbler. I did super well on this year. Why don't we talk about, um, um so before, before we get into like what Pumba plugs actually is yes. and why you keep talking about Pumba plugs. Yeah. Like, so you're, so swimming, swimming stuff so, and then, and then you eel mm-hmm. and then well. I eel. So yeah. So if you want to catch a giant fish, you've got to eel. And I'm saying you fish in a spot and you only catch like bass that are like 30 inches there, throw on an eel, you catch a bass. That's and just live eels. Live eels. Or you can rig an eel. And so but I've, that's a more involved That's process. more involved. And you can do it so many ways. You can do it with zip ties. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I can't tell you the amount of hours I've spent before I fall asleep in my bed thinking about different <laughs> ways to, to rig an eel. I mean, it's <laughs> truly shocking how many different ways I thought about rigging eels. So it shouldn't be like different ways to skin a cat. Exactly. Like different ways, different ways to, to rig an eel. eel. There's so many different ways you can rig an eel. And I have so many different ideas of how to rig eels that I couldn't we even could just, do, I could we do, a could whole, do a whole two podcast. hours on how to rig eels. Okay, maybe we will. Um, maybe yeah. we will one time. But I want to get into also what gear you need for light at night. So if so, I've done a lot of trial and error. Uh, can you grab me? I have that light right there and I have that headlamp right there. Um, so I have two Make sure you describe stuff just headlamps. for people who are yeah, listening. Yeah, so for people that are listening, I have the Pelican uh, 55... And you're not you're not sponsored by any of these no, guys. No, this is yeah, exactly. So I have just a Pelican waterproof, uh, five thousand ten light waterproof Pelican light. Um, and what I did is I, I uh, maybe put, we can maybe we can put some. It's really hard maybe, to describe. Well, it's we not can, that no, hard no, no, to describe. Maybe we can put some links in the description uh, if you're of, if you're watching it on YouTube gear. or listening to it on YouTube. Yeah. Or if you're listening to it somewhere else, then. Yeah, you go to YouTube, YouTube and, and, and we'll find and we'll put some links below for the for the yeah. equipment. So what I did is I took this Pelican light, which is I don't know, it's I I don't know how I forget how expensive this was, and then I got actually like a a clip, like a fishing clip, and yeah. I clipped it into it, and then took some like eighty pound braided line and ran it through the inside of surgical tubing. Yeah, um, in a loop so I could put it around my neck. Yeah, this is probably not the smartest idea if I get like fall off a cliff and get hooked on and I'll like get a guillotine <laughs> hung but at but least at least you won't lose the thing exactly so I have it like this it's great I can put it in my mouth uh, when I'm like working things but the reason I'm using this light is because it's waterproof and it's oh. super super bright yeah like I'm shining at the camera this is an incredibly bright light and it's very useful when you need to really light up this the area so yeah. you hook a big fish and you're trying to land it and it's super dark out, it's a new moon, it's foggy, mm-hmm. and you are having a hard time figuring everything out. You turn this thing on, it illuminates the whole area. Yeah. So the other light that I've got that I've started to use, and it's a waterproof headlamp. Um, this is the UK underwater like uh, headlamp. Um, uh, the reason I'm using this is because it's waterproof. This is a you've for you've had because I keep killing my headlamps because I'm fishing not, in yeah. like most of the time I'm having to almost swim out to a rock and I'm fishing off of that. And when you're doing that at night and you're getting hit by waves, you, it's going to get wet. Everything's going to get wet that you have on you. So you want gear that you can depend on. And I would say never go out fishing at night without at least two sources of light. Yeah. At least. So you want, you also have the light on your phone. And that's the other thing. So I've been, I have three 
in my opinion, I have three sources of light that I bring with me at all yeah. times. Yeah. I have my phone light. Yeah. I have which my, is the, your reserve. My reserve. like, God forbid, light. I guess yeah. you could call it. But like, so you have that light. You have the Pelican. I have my like pen Pelican light. It's I call it a pen light because it's yeah. like a smaller flashlight. It's pretty yeah. big actually, but that's fine. And then I have a headlamp. Yeah. Uh, and so if one dies, I have the other. If they both die, I have another one. Yeah. So that's what I hope that I do. But the other thing is. You get more proficient at fishing at night. You, I walk out to the rocks now without a headlamp on. Granted, <laughs> if it is foggy out, granted if it's foggy out in a new moon, you're you have to use a light. Yeah, it's so what's dark. Your, what's your opinion about like scaring fish with lights? I think it's somewhat BS because I've filmed with a huge amount of light. <laughs> Gus is literally like has daytime. His son. His, his portable, his portable sun. sun. Yeah. Um, so exactly. So I fished with giant lights in the water. Yeah. And I've still caught 15, 20 pound bass. I haven't caught like a 40 pound bass with light in the water. I try to keep all my lights off because I've heard it's bad and it like kills yeah. the bite and whatever. I think it's somewhat, somewhat crap because I've also fished with people where it's hectic. And, and they have to have had, light on. We've yeah. had to have lights on and yet we're pulling... Like we've, I had gone on to bites where we're pulling thirty pound bass every single cast, yeah. And it, we have lights shining in the water. In the bass are like five feet in front of us too. It's not like they're way out there. Yeah. Literally hooking into thirty pound bass at our feet, and yeah. we have our giant headlamps pointing in the water. So it's it's one of those things that's like a controversial thing, but it's very very um like personal and confidence based, mm-hmm. which is like ninety percent of. Fishing. fishing in general. And the other thing I'm going to say about confidence is try my personal thing is like I can never I've like made it a goal to never have superstitions because that's going to absolutely kill you. That's so funny because because superstitions are like a yeah. huge thing in fishing. I know. So to me, if you can go with no superstitions and say there's nothing that's like I to me it's like baking. Yeah. You have the right ingredients, you can bake a cake. Yeah. You have the right ingredients, you can catch a forty fish. pound. Yeah. You catch a 40-pound bass. Okay. It's literally the same thing, in my opinion. Yeah. And the other thing is keep a fishing log. And it doesn't have to be an in-depth thing. It can be wind, tide, and moon phase. And that's all you need. And really location. Need. And location, I guess, yeah. Wind, tide, moon phase, and location. That's pretty much all you need, and you should be pretty good. You can go more in-depth and go water temperature and barometric pressure and all that descriptions stuff. Descriptions of... Yeah, descriptions of different things. And, um, and that's better yeah but obviously but you can have those couple of things and you can pretty much figure it out and bait patterns and all of that but so far as lights go that's what i okay. say is, and we'll try to link them below yeah we'll try um, to link them below check them out um and then um but let's let's talk about so so back to what we were talking about um about what you're fishing at night you're mm-hmm. fishing swimming plugs and a eels lot of swimming plugs of, of various kinds yeah Anything exactly else? even both combined eel skin plugs are another incredible thing which we can talk about which we're our, another working podcast on. Yeah, yeah it's just another thing i'm working on with um joe from puma plugs so that, let's let's talk about puma plugs because you keep talking about them a lot yes. just for 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 folks at home for folks at home yeah so puma plugs is uh well, I, if I could, I would read the mission statement right now, but there... I can... I'll look it up while you're talking. Um, so, Puma Plugs is... Um, well, I just, just just talk about, like, your involvement with Puma okay, Plugs. Okay, yeah. So, I'm, so, I'm a pro staff member at Puma Plugs, um, but they're very... Um, 
interesting company in general because they do it so differently than every other plug company out there. There's not a single plug company that does it like them because they have all environmentally friendly uh, um, and like healthily sourced. Uh, so they're, you want me to read the, yeah, the mission statement? Yeah, read the mission statement. So, um, so their mission statement right off of their website and it's Pumba, P-O-O-M-B-A-H, plugs, one word.com. Oh, we can also link it below. Yeah, we will. Um, their mission statement is to lead the production of quality plugs and lures using environmentally sustainable, responsibly sourced materials to eliminate harmful impact on the oceans and marine life, to support the protection of oceans and marine life through a percentage of profits donated to organizations dedicated to that mission. Mm-hmm. And their vision vision statement is we envision clean oceans, free pollution, supporting vibrant marine life, protected and sustained by those who benefit most. Yeah. So if you're talking about we need to have a sustainable fishery for striped bass because the striped bass population is dying, agreed. But to furthermore that, we're talking about Atlantic menhaden or bunker or pogies, whatever you want to call them, which is what we've been talking about as the bait fish. They're a filter feeder. Now with all the plastic that we have nowadays that gets grinded up, turns into microplastics, yeah. all the filter feeders in the ocean it accumulates are, are everything. eating them. Yeah, yeah, so that is a huge killer of so many. It's poisoning the bat or the bass, or it's poisoning the bunker, which is getting eaten by the bass, which is poisoning the fish. So that is a big, big problem. So if you can have a plug that is, yeah, has naturally sourced like epoxy and paint and metals, metals and everything yeah. that's not harming the environment, that's huge because that's going a step further than releasing all your bass because that's not only releasing all your bass but maybe saving. 10 others. Yeah, well, so, I mean, if you want to read more about, there's more details on their website about exactly. the issue and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like, I think it's it's like great mm-hmm. and all, but yeah. like, if the plugs don't actually work, work. then what's the point? You know so I mean? that's the other thing. So, okay, the plug, so when I, I was going to this, I had no idea because I'd never used his plugs before. So I, I've never used his plugs. He reached out to me. We started working together. And I immediately fell in love with them because I started catching a bunch more big fish on them instantly. Yeah. So and you've been and you've been helping also helping develop. Yeah. So I've yeah. been helping develop a couple of plugs. Um, one of them that we did super well on. I've been we're messing around with different weights on the Magnum Walkers and stuff like that, but which have been doing well. The Pumba pencil um, is just a, is a great plug. We fish. With, I mean, I've fished with all of these, and we're developing Danny plugs and stuff like that that we're doing so well with. Um, and but, but, but so when, so we, I guess I just wanted to like throw that out there because mm-hmm. you keep saying Pumba plugs, Pumba plugs, Pumba yeah, plugs. Because, but, so, cause yeah. I work with them and I really believe in this product in the fact that it catches, they, all their plugs are great. I love the hardware on their plugs because number one, depending on how we're trying to get this. Cause I, so the thing is I fight my fish hard. I've already said that I locked my drag down on my van stall, no matter if I'm fishing, you know, a meal or a plug I have my drag locked all the way down every single time I fish so what does that mean bending out hooks now I've been so lucky this season and I've not lost a fish due to that mm-hmm. um, although I've bent so many I mean I have a handful of hooks on my desk right now yeah. that are mangled yeah um, and so uh, we and they're forex strong hooks so now I've Trying to get, and we're gonna either make it an option on the website to bump your hook up, your hook strength up to six x strong. It's hooks, something in the works, yeah. Uh, which is something in the works. 
Um, and that's the thing. So we're, now we're trying to bump up 6X strong hooks on a lot of the plugs because we want it to be as hard as possible for a giant fish to bend your plug out. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I did, I mean, a lot of companies use 4X strong hooks for their plugs, but I don't know of a custom plug company that's making 6X yeah. strong hooks on their plugs. And so anyway. So anyway, that's a thing that I, I'm super excited to be working with this company and they do a really good job with their plugs as well as they're doing it in a way that is yeah. different from anyone else and I think is something that we need to look in the right is in this the direction. This needs to be done more. Exactly. More companies to be if we can get this. if we yeah. can get even one of the bigger companies out there that make lures that make custom plugs to try or not custom plugs in general but like any custom any I think like Anything just in general, like yeah. manufacturing, anything related exactly. to the fishing industry should have yeah. some sort of environmental bent mm-hmm. to their their mission statement. Yeah. It should be because if you think about it, like I'm it. such a new fisherman. I've I'm really super new to this game and you're they might not be around for another ten years. You're, like you're gonna see the effects of, yeah, of any I will of any... very soon. And that's the thing, like if we don't do something, the next ten years they could be gone. Like that's like how scary it is right now. Now that at the time that this is all going down, we're making the podcast. There is a bunch of regulation changing changes that are happening, which is a whole other podcast. Which is a whole other podcast about. worth of stuff. But um, yeah, so that's so that's that. Um, yeah. I guess. Um, and so, should we do some yeah, gear? I mean, stuff. We, we we yeah. I mean, we can we can do some we can do some gear, gear stuff. stuff. So you've already talked so about. I have two. You've already, you've already talked about lights. Lights. Talk plugs. about the plugs that you like to use. Should we talk about the plug bag that I use? Yeah, sure. Why not talk okay. about the plug bag? So the plug you don't bag, need to lift it up. Yeah, I don't anything. need to lift it up. The plug bag that I use is like, I think, it's, I, I should know this, um, but it's a three, I think it's a three and a half tube ODM plug bag. We'll, we'll, we'll link it, hopefully. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I should know that. Is it more than that? I don't know. I forget. I'm not, I don't even know. But um, it's great. It has a spot for like soft plastics and bucktails in the front. Um, it has a spot for plugs in the middle because it's a place where you can put your water bottle or your already tied leaders right there. It has another little spot, which is a smaller tube for your plugs. I love it. It's durable. I think it's been, How long it's you been had good. That I've had that for a year now. I've and fished you, for the season. I mean, you fish I've hard, fallen yeah. on my bag multiple times this year and it hasn't broken, yeah. which is good. Uh, you can see that I've scuffed it up a lot. Yeah. Um, Would you recommend bag? For that seems to be a great no, bag. No, no, no. Would you recommend bags in general? Yeah. For, so, like, when in your fishing career would you say it's worth investing in getting a bag? Um, if you fish for, if you have enough plugs that <laughs> you can't carry them around, like in a backpack, you should invest in that. Um, but not that in general. There's other cheaper ones. The Shimano bag that I was talking about earlier, that was a great one I used for many years. The only reason I switched over to that one is just because. I wanted more storage, yeah. most of, mostly, and um, because I just fished way too many plugs, yeah. um, and I want one for every single time of the day, yeah. <laughs> um, in my bag at all times. Yeah. But and so then I also do surf belt, which I should. I've used it. I've used the surf belt. It, it's 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 a, so it's a handy. So I used to fish with like a um, in my travels of fishing. I used to fish with a. Um, fly fishing vest yeah um i remember those days which were great i mean because that's what we had because that's what we had at that time yeah you just used them you you could put everything in there and it was good for a while but they 
literally started to deteriorate. They would, like, fall <laughs> they're, apart. They're not built for saltwater surf No, dancing. they're not. Um, so, I have an ODM surf belt. And the only reason I'm do- I have two ODM things is because um, I happen to have two ODM things. But I honestly think, legitimately, and I'm not getting paid to say this, yeah. there is no better belt than this ODM surf belt right here. Yeah. And the only reason for that is... The clip into this belt has a mag a magnet and yeah. it just clips in like that. Yeah. And it can't would not it doesn't come undone. undone and then it has a little piece of velcro that flips over and you're not you're fine. It's like it's not like you have to like it's not like a weird belt that you have to like fold the line the the, yeah. the material in and out and like tighten it down and it's super easy to like tighten down everything and get fit to your size um, unless you're super skinny <laughs> like, <laughs> like you. Me. Yeah. Um, I think they make a smaller version of it. I don't know. It could be completely wrong. Um, so I have a Boga 60. I'm on like a D ring, um, that's hanging off my belt. So I use a Boga 60 because for two things, number one, it's for unhooking schoolie bass or any bass in general. Cause when a bass is flailing around with treble hooks, it's easy to get one in your hand. And as soon as you grab onto it, and this is something I would say, if you want to get into surf casting, there's two things that I'm gonna show you that you need. You need some sort beginning. of lip, yeah, from the beginning. You need some sort of lip grip that you need. Like you need that. Um, you don't necessarily need pliers, but pliers are very useful. Um, but you need a fish lip gripping everyone's, device. Everyone's got pliers though. Exactly, but pliers are pliers. Um, the good thing about the Boga 60 is obviously it, it is a scale. So when you put the fish on the the thing, you can lift it up and it goes all the way up to 60 pounds. Yeah. So. The only problem is when we get a 70-pound bass, what are we going to do? Well, we figured out. Oh, we figured out because we also have a Boga 30, so we can... If like... you Yeah, if you hold... If you lip a fish with a Boga 60 and a Boga 30, and then you hold them up, and you look at the weights on each of them, yeah. and then add them together, it'll yeah. be the weight of the fish. And yeah. we tested this out on, like, dumbbells yeah. at, at the house. And, and it, we're, I felt so, like... And it totally works because yeah, we were wondering it if it would actually work. And this was so... This is something that I was just, like, just laughing about because the odds of somebody... One of us one getting, getting... Getting a 90-pound bass or whatever. Yeah, or, no, a bass that's over 60 pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's giant. But it basically just gives you the capability of yeah, doing it if you had exactly. two grips. But there's no way you're going to catch a bass so over then, 60 pounds. Yeah, so then the other thing that's really important is make sure everything that is attached to your bag, your belt, or I mean your belt, um, is attached with a lanyard or a clip or something that can go in and out. So yeah. if you drop it, which happens in the pitch black, you drop your stuff and it goes into the water and it's gone forever. Yeah. Unless you have one of these, in which case it will be attached yeah. and you won't lose it. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Um, so bow grips are, are any sort of lit gripping device is a must have. Um, and then, so the other thing that's on it, I've just a pair of pliers, um, uh, some Mustad, and I don't even know the company. Um, but I have a pair of pliers. I think I probably bought them off of Amazon. Probably need to oil them. Even though I fished these really hard all season, they have a pretty good line cutter here. I was thinking about getting the Van Stall pliers, but I don't know. Maybe later. Um, and then I have like a little leader wallet, which what I keep in my leader wallet is my um scissors. Do you need uh, scissors? Is that something? Scissors are something that's very important if you tie leaders out in the water. And then I have my mangled fishing license um, in my pocket in there too. It's like so like bent yeah. up. But yeah, I have my fishing license in my leader wallet too. Um, 
just even though I've never seen a game warden ever, which is a whole other, story. which is a whole other another podcast. Another podcast. Um, and then I like carrying around a knife, ugh, which is like rusted in. So I'm I have a buck knife, uh, buck knife company. Um, we should probably fix that stuff, but it's a little rusted. It's actually not bad, super sharp. Um, but I carry a knife on me for a lot of different reasons. Um, if you ever harvest a fish, it's good to have um, a knife on you to mm-hmm. bleed out the bass. If you want to keep a bass, which I'm not going to like, some people f- fly off the handlebars if you keep a fish. If you're keeping a bass, I mean, my rule of thumb is I try to keep, if unless it like gets gut hooked or some it dies like yours did. We yeah. wouldn't have kept your bass. We were trying to release it. But um, I try to release every single fish that I catch um but if it's uh, – oh, I try to release every single fish that I get unless it's over uh, under 35 inches. Like if it's under 35 inches, it's like 28, 30 inches. Then I'm like keeping it. It's not – It's also deal. better eating when they're under 35 Yeah, because they're much more – They're much delicious. more tender. So if you're ever going to keep a bass, try to keep one that's smaller. And a picture is as good as keeping a big fish, you know. Like I – like I released my biggest fish ever. I mean – and I got a picture of it and released perfectly fine. So it's not like – um, you need to keep them every single time. So this is super important. That's one of what's on my fishing belt. I have a knife, pliers, boga, that's it, or and scissors, I guess. Pretty simple. And that's pretty much it. You can just um, leave it there, we'll stay. Um and so the other most important thing, if you're fishing on rocks, like slipper on literally, if you're fishing on rocks, you cannot go out there unless you have corkers. If you're fishing on rocks, you should have Invest in a pair. In, invest in a pair of corkers. I'm not like getting paid or anything for this either, but I have big studs on my corkers, and these are the best thing that I've ever bought in my entire life because they grip on rocks like crazy. Because where we fish, it is like death to walk on rocks. Um, this is by far 100% the best shoe that I've ever used. The only thing is that's the sometimes the the stuff peels apart. Uh, like this is right now, um, but it, it's like it's like the it's, biggest game changer. It's yeah, it's probably the number one safety thing that I would say to wear. Number one. Well, before even before the life jacket. Yeah, and I don't wear a life jacket, even though I probably should. But like if I, but I don't wear a life jacket. Yeah. I fish most of the time. I fish by myself, but I don't wear a life jacket. Probably should, but. Um, and then and then rods and reels. So got, what, I mean, obviously you have you have a bunch so of so rods and reels. Rods, so I have a, a huge like I've I used I pretty much used every company's rod. But well, if you were to recommend, let's do this. If you were to recommend, if I was to recommend beginner a beginner rod, okay, yeah, a beginner, beginner rod, rod, a money's no option rod, okay, and then like best bang for your buck rod. Okay, um, so for a beginner rod, I really like the Fuji Airwave. Um, rods, mm-hmm. um, the Fuji Airwave rods go for like, they can be up, they're pretty, they go for like, they're super light ones all the way up to like, I don't know, huge ones and mm-hmm. they can be any size, yeah. but I would say get like a 10 foot Fuji Airwave. It can throw like maybe two to three ounces mm-hmm. or something. That's like a perfect beginner rod. Yeah. I think it's like under a hundred dollars maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's something, it's cheap. Yeah. Um, and if you get it at like a big box store like if you get it at Dick's Sporting Goods or something yeah. you can get like warranty on it and you can ex- you can break it and they'll give you a new one for free yeah um so it's always good if you're like a beginner to have a rod that you can beat up and you'll be fine with yeah 
Um, money's no option. Money's no option, Rod. Um, uh, I, I'm, I have, I'm working on getting, like, if you can get a custom. Out, outside of custom realm, because custom is always, like, I'm saying, like, yeah. so, like so, some of the best, like, if you were just to throw out some of the best, like, the like, best rod, like rods that you rods that you would really, I mean, feel good about. Like, I feel just picking up right off the shelf or whatever. Uh, I mean, like you, off the shelf. There's like you can go Century Rods has the Surf Machine Elite. That's a good rod. That's like a thousand dollar rod. Yeah. Never use that rod, but that's a, I've heard good things from that. Yeah. Um. Uh. I would say. Um, I guess this is a money no option rod. Yeah. Kind of, but yeah. this is also maybe my intermediate. Price range. Uh, this is like a four hundred dollar rod. No, no, no. Like oh. what rod is it? Oh, okay. So with any GSB, I love the GSB rods. I mean, yeah. they're great. Um, I have a GSB nine foot two, and I think that's like a ten foot. I don't know. Again, I'm not entirely sure exactly what is this. Um, this is a GSB ten foot um, three to seven ounce rod behind me here, which I love because I throw. Giant rig deals. I threw giant eels on that. Anything, if you can get, like, if you go three, this would, this says one to three ounces. I'd, I'd throw maybe four on this, um, on the GSB Skinner rod. But this is a great rod, um, just because this is, this is a factory rod and it's cast it, well. It it's just a good, like, solid, dependable yeah. rod. And because I, I caught, I've caught my biggest fish in the season on this, which is like a 47 pound bass yeah. with lockdown drag on the GSB Skinner rod. It's yeah. a great eeling rod. That's the main reason I use this is for eeling, but it's also great for topwater because yeah. it's a one piece. Yeah. Um, and I like one piece rods because um, you can you work a topwater. We can get into we can get into a whole podcast whole other podcast about, about, about that. Um, but that's a that's a great rod for it as well. Um, and so and then as far as like an intermediate cost range rod. Is that with that? Is that what you this is what I would basically say is basically intermediate to like anything over a hundred dollars. So Synchroy um, makes good like the Mojo Synchroy Mo- Mojo yeah. is a great intermediate price range. I think it's like maybe a hundred ninety nine two hundred dollar rod. Yeah. Um. So that's a great price range for that rod. Um. They make a couple other ones yeah. like the Legend rods, which I think are on the more upside, like more expensive yeah. rods. But those are also really great rods. Um. Uh, and I'm like not any expert on rods, but like, yeah, it's that's just, it's like just what you opinion. would say. Yeah. Like if I would say airwave elites, great lower end rod, um, Mojo surf is a great, um, for, of St. Croix is a great, um, intermediate cost. And then the GSB blank rods, the factory GSB rods. Um, I would say the, I wouldn't get anything less than the Skinner, but I wouldn't get anything higher than the. I mean, maybe they'd get a longer one, but the ten, the like, three to seven ounce is like big. Yeah. Like you can pretty much take that to the Cape Cod Canal and you know, yeah, throw giant things on that. Yeah. Um. So that's yeah. what I would say is a good spectrum of rods to look at. So then, and then reels, you got okay. So the, this is my whole thing. So if if I'm gonna like suggest a reel to anyone, I'm gonna go to the Pen Battle Three because yeah. that is a great great reel for the for your bang for your buck yeah. out of that reel it's pretty bulletproof and pen's a great company if you like if your gears explode because you got them wet in salt water they'll give you a free reel yeah um literally like i've had that happen to me and they'll give you a free reel um and then the um spin fisher series from pen 
is the step above that. Uh, and that is incredible real. Um, and then, uh, if you, and so then here's the deal. If you're, if you fish every single day for, I guess I can go on a whole spiel about this, but if you fish every single day and you get your reel wet every single time you fish, I would say, don't buy the Spinfisher V, buy the Vanstall because it's not, sealed. It's fully, they're both sealed. Okay. The Vanstall is fully sealed. You can fish it underwater and it's bulletproof. Yeah. Like if, so here's the thing. If you kill a pen battle seven times, you're at a, yeah, a the Vanstall. Yeah, the price of a Vanstall. Yeah. Exactly. So if you think that, okay, you destroy, you fish in the water. Frick. Um, anyway, well... We, we you just just finish your thought. We we basically just lost lost the we, video. At we this lost point. we lost the video at this which point. Which is which is fine because we have we have we have a bunch of content as far as videos. As far as concerned. that goes, um, but, but so we'll end it here. Um, um, as far as, as far as like reels go, I will put up um we'll put up a picture of the reels at this point that I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. So I'm talking about a Vanstall right now. Yeah. So here's the Vanstall 200 up on the screen. Yeah. Um. I uh, would use that reel if you're getting it wet every day fishing and you're going to kill your reels. Otherwise, yeah. get the van stall. But that's my price range for reels. I would go Pen Battle, three. Spin Fisher, seven. Six, seven. I don't know what it is now. And then I would go van stall. And then you can, of course, there's the uh, salt, Daiwa Salt, or the Daiwa. Um, there is Daiwa Saltigas, um, the dogfights, and then there's the Shimano Stellas of the world. That's a whole other like Ferrari versus Lamborghini type thing. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it pretty as far it. as reels yeah. go. Um, and is there any other, I mean, we could all, we talk about clothing and that kind of thing, but that's, I feel like a little more, that's a another, little more personal. I mean, that could be a whole other and podcast. I think we'll again. do, we'll definitely do a podcast at some point about exclusively uh, gear, exclusively gear. So, um, I think we'll, anyway, we'll just sort of start to wrap it up at this point. Yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, as far as closing, closing thoughts go, um, we, we, uh, we are going to try to do this podcast. Yeah, we're going to try to do this podcast as regularly as, as we regularly can. as we can. Our hope is that we can post one every weekend. Yeah. Hopefully we can do we're, it. I'm like hoping once that we week maybe can get this out on Sunday. So not, it might not be this Sunday, yeah. I mean, like, whenever Sunday. this comes out, we'll, we're going to try to keep it more regular and, yeah. and, uh, I think the format of it. I mean, we're just starting, so I think yeah. the format of it is going to vary. We're going to yeah. try to get video out of everything that we can, although yes. clearly we've had some technical difficulties yeah. with that. This will not happen again because what's going to happen is we are going to have a thing that plugs into the camera and yeah. it keeps it 100% battery power yeah. the entire time. So, so. anyway, um, but we're going to try to get video up of the podcast as yeah. well. There will be audio wherever we can put it. Yes. I'll, I don't know how that works, but we'll, we'll try we'll to figure, figure it out. out. And then... Um, and in the format will be different every week. Like yes. some weeks it might just be long. It might just be long rambling conversation. Kind of like we had today is sort yeah. of an introductory mm-hmm. shtick. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll, you'll post like some shorter clips yeah. of like the longer podcast mm-hmm. for people who don't want to listen to the whole thing. Yep. Um, and I will try to get some, maybe later on, we'll get some guests on, some or guests on I, which um, I think is possible. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I know some people that are interesting and, yeah. Uh fish a lot yeah. more than me. And I fish longer and are better at fishing than I am. But <laughs> um uh and then the um 
And then the other thing is, yeah, if anybody out there has any suggestions, yeah, leave comments. We will. So I would rate love the, to rate do, the podcast exactly. Apple Podcasts or or Spotify or wherever wherever Worry you end up listening them. to it. Um, and yeah, if you got any suggestions, yeah, just you know, you could DM Stripe Bass Hunt. Yeah, DM me, and literally, like, I will answer every single DM I get. Literally, any DM you DM me, I answer everybody's questions. Uh, I've had a lot of questions about eeling and stuff, so I'm in the works of making a video for that. Um, I'm also like, if you have any like ideas of things you want to see me do, yeah, uh, as far as fishing wise, or you've like seen me be productive with, and you want to see how I do it, DM that. You want any topics for us to go over? DM us that. We'll try to go over comments. In the, at the yeah, end of the podcast. at the end of the podcast, we can um, go over questions and some questions and comments. Exactly. Depending on how many we get. But yeah. Probably none. Sometimes, it, sometimes <laughs> we'll it might be us two. Sometimes it might be you. Sometimes yeah. it might be you and somebody else. Yes. Who knows? Yes. That should be. Yeah. And then I don't know what will happen to this podcast during the actual fishing season. Even though it is the end of the season. But when it's the actual fishing season for me to sit down for an hour or two and take <laughs> do this is going to be torture um but we'll see yeah we'll see we'll see how it goes um all right anyway thanks for listening and yeah thanks watching for tuning in all right yeah have have fun out there <laughs> yeah catch giant fish <laughs>